what I published went against this opinion. And I was afraid of publishing something that I considered to be balanced, fair, and the truth as I researched it. And that's that tells you something. If I'm afraid after years as an author on EMFs of all subjects, of all topics, I've been talking about EMFs. I'm on the fringes of science, if you want, for years. And even with that background, I was terrified to publish on this. it, It tells you about what is the current climate. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Nick, the EMF guy, Pino. Nick is the number one best-selling author of the Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs and an advocate for safe technologies. Through his unconventional approach, blending humor, science, and common sense, he's becoming a leading voice on the topic of electromagnetic pollution and how it affects our health. For the last few years, Nick has been interviewing some of the best minds on health and technology and facilitating the creation of courses and educational materials to raise awareness on this very important issue. Hi, everybody. Nick Pino is now world famous for his excellent book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs, and has been featured on many podcasts, including my own. Nick was so disturbed by the whole COVID pandemic, he applied the same degree of investigative journalism to issues of COVID and 5G systems that he did in the creation of his book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs. The result was a comprehensive report of findings that he shared with me and his followers, which was quite mind-blowing. Since our last discussion, he's also done a lot more investigation into the issues of 5G systems being put up at a rapid pace around the world. I reached out to Nick to be on the podcast with us today because most of us don't have the time or investigative skills to get to the roots of some of these issues, and I wanted him to update you and I regarding what he's found. I feel it's essential to gather information on such key issues of the world and our lives because there are many hidden agendas behind some of the not-so-hidden smokescreens of the world today. If we're not wise enough and brave enough to look at the research and commentary from intelligent, credible investigators and people in the know on these topics of relevance, even when they go counter to our personal beliefs, we cannot really make intelligent decisions. If we cannot make intelligent decisions, we can't add anything intelligent to our culture, and therefore there is no democracy at all, just the imposition of belief systems on people. As I share in the podcast today, I'm not trying to push my personal opinions on anyone. My only agenda is freedom of speech and sharing as many people with credible information and credible sources on these issues as possible so that people in the public can make informed choices. It is exceedingly dangerous when critical decisions are being made on prepackaged, often manufactured information. It is even more dangerous when crisis events are being manufactured, inflated, and used as distractions while laws are passed that take away our constitutional rights. This is exactly what happened during 911, and the trend continues dangerously. It is my agenda to put as much good information on the table as possible, and even to propose concepts or possibilities that we could all seriously consider. One of the most telling issues about COVID, manipulation of the public by corporations like Google and Facebook and even 5G systems, is how many of the expert testimonials by people trying to inform humanity have simply vanished due to censorship. We may be in one of the most complex, dangerous situations on this planet that humanity has ever faced. 
We have very serious environmental problems from destruction of topsoils to greenhouse effects to devastation of the trees, bees, and insects at large due to corporate interests, commercial farming chemicals, including Roundup, to huge patches of the ocean dying, the Great Barrier Reef dying, serious destruction of waterways, and the progressive release of previously protected nature reserves to be used for oil drilling, fracking, and other commercial enterprises. If that's not enough, we're losing our rights to our own bodies, being forced into vaccinations that have not been properly researched or tested, all the while our economy is at risk largely due to what we know to be largely false information being presented in a very coordinated way. You think these mandates are coming from governments, but on closer analysis, it's a handful of corporate leaders and people like Bill Gates that are actually using money to control governments, medical establishments, the media, and much more. These issues have been brought up in the past by people like economist Adam Smith, Mahatma Gandhi, Noam Chomsky, President John F. Kennedy, and many more. President Kennedy's brother, Robert Kennedy Jr., continues in his footsteps today for the very same reasons as the great leaders of the past, to try to keep you and the planet safe. In the next few hours, Nick Pino and I will dive deep into what his research on the actual infection and death statistics show about the pandemic, how major media stations around the world are being coordinated with a message crafted by Bill Gates, yet leaving people thinking that this is actually real news produced by authentic investigative reporting the truths about masks, the fact that any and all COVID statistics cannot be trusted because it is well-researched and proven that there is no reliable test for COVID, the potential contribution to COVID death and infection stats resulting from placebo effects in reverse, which is called the nocebo effect, the scientific evidence showing that there are real dangers with 5G systems, not only for human beings, but plants, animals, and every living creature from microorganisms up the great chain of being. The dangers associated with multiple thousands of satellites being launched into space to support the 5G agenda, one of which is space junk and disabled satellites crashing down to the Earth unexpectedly. The difference between a conspiracy theory, a theory, and actual facts, particularly in relationship to the topics of our discussion today, and we will talk about the amazing power of biogeometry to convert negative, harmful EMFs into life force energies that are beneficial for nature and human beings, as well as other viable solutions or paths to solutions. It is not my goal nor Nick's goal to make anyone wrong or deny anyone rights to their own opinions. It is our goal to give you the awareness of what questions we all need to ask and to share what many highly credible researchers, doctors, and scientists are telling us if we can gather their information and warnings before they are censored. And that alone, my dear friends, should tell you we have a skunk smell emanating from the highest levels of government around the world. I hope you enjoy this update and my often deep dialogue with Nick Pino. Hello, welcome back to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today I have my friend and someone who I really respect for his great contributions to our understanding of electromagnetic pollution, Nick Pino, the author of The Non-Tinfoil Guide to Electromagnetic Pollution, and someone who provides us a lot of up-to-date information on all sorts of technology and issues of the day, such as the COVID issues, 5G, and also helps us find ways to enhance our lives. And that's Nick Pino. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Paul. It's an honor to, to be here again. Yeah, I always love sharing with you, and I'm grateful for all your amazing work out there. 
So I titled our podcast today, Where Are We Now? COVID 5G Technology That Supports Us. And, uh, you know, if I extended the title and we should be concerned about. So I put together some questions because, you know, watching your newsletter and me being just so busy with clients and podcasts and everything in my life, multiple businesses, I uh, can't keep up with it all. And and I probably watched 100 hours of documentaries on all these things and got to the point where I just felt saturated and just couldn't take any more. So I have to give you uh, a, a, an honor, a medal of honor for the capacity to stay in there and keep up with it all. So I wanted to use this opportunity to help you get you to help us kind of get where are we at now with some of these things. So I know you've looked into the whole COVID pandemic quite deeply. I'm wondering if you can give us an overview of your finding and, and what you feel is really going on behind all the illusions that are being broadcast on various uh, television stations, uh, the web, uh, pretty much any way they can capture people's minds. And as we all know, they're screening things very heavily. And, and I was talking to Leslie Manukian about this. We had quite a deep podcast on the COVID thing. We were talking about truth. And so one of the things is that we discuss is, well, people are having a very hard time right now figuring out the truth because of all the uh, screening, which is really an invasion of our freedom of speech and the use of technology uh, as a weapon against our own people. And she said something quite profound. She said, well, you can easily tell what the truth is. That's what they keep taking down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I thought that was really quite a genius statement. I mean, yes, if they were really interested in the truth, we put all the chips on the table so we could have a democratic discussion about it and talk to the experts in each area. And having watched so many documentaries and interviews on the COVID with everybody you can imagine, it's very, very clear that they're taking down anything that informs us of anything other than their agenda, their narrative, and their uh, means of meeting their own objectives. So with that said, can you just share what's going on from your perspective, having looked into this so deeply? Where are we and where do you think the whole thing's going? And uh, you know, if they get away with their plan and people stay asleep and keep believing what they see and read uh where's that taking us geez yeah that's a i I saw the question when you you sent it over i'm like okay how how can you insert that in in a structured way it's 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 been very diff it's been a very weird year and i must say my angle coming at at the covid pandemic was um I, i guess i'll just i'll just um get started on how I it got into my life because I want to share something very important is that I panicked at first personally and I panicked for a lot of reasons. I was in Japan with my wife and kid and uh, we were supposed we were in fact we were supposed to meet in April mid April so it was around mid March where we're supposed to go back in Montreal and then go to California for an entire business trip and um, I I'm completely blindsided by the situation because I don't. <laughs> 
I've been tuning out of mainstream media for 10 years. And sometimes my, my, my wife, Jen, rightfully says, uh, you're a little bit disconnected from the world. And uh, that's true because I literally have no idea. There could be a flood in Montreal. I wouldn't even hear about it on the news because I don't watch the news. So it has its, its pros because I, I don't watch a negativity, but sometimes it's a little bit too much. And in that case, I got blindsided because literally the first time I heard about COVID was my wife telling me, Nick, something is happening. The Canadian government wants everyone to come back home. They're going to maybe close the country. And it was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> literally no, no idea that it was in discussion for, uh, I'd say... It had been in the mainstream media from what I could gather since early February, but a little bit before that, if you really follow the scientific circles, of course, in January was the beginning of uh, the story in Wuhan and the scientific community looking at this and the WHO looking at the data and all this. So I kind of panicked saying, wait, wait a minute, maybe this is extremely serious, extremely threatening. And we, we bought an extra plane ticket, went back home. And then uh, I started digging into it really out of uh, sheer fear for my, my my family, everyone I knew. Is this a big, deadly pandemic? They say people drop dead. Italy is is being ravaged by this deadly virus. And and I, I started looking at a few sources that I know, but one guy in particular really opened my eyes about the data uh, and and really the the real science that was coming out and how it told a different story and that that man is uh, Dr. Anthony G Beck. He's a um, he's a, a functional medicine doctor and really someone who who has a holistic view of of health but also of information as a whole. And it, it, in his group um, uh, Balanced Protocol, we were chatting about the the. the COVID data and how, I mean, in the end, it was a very small fraction of the Chinese population that had it, that had died from it, that had been hospitalized. And then some people could argue, yeah, but the, the Chinese, um, uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party shouldn't be trusted in these, uh, uh, in the data they share with the world. And maybe, maybe that was true, but the same thing could be said out of Italy. If you looked at the, the numbers, in reality, the, the age profile of people who died was similar as the age profile of flu deaths. Uh, so normally it's people, um, the, the median age was around 85 year old. And there was about 60% of all the COVID deaths that had three comorbidities or more. So it means you have both heart disease and, um, and diabetes and uh, something else. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. You're not in good shape when you're 85 with three diseases. So um, in other words, you're, you're, you're prone of die, to, to die of anything that year. And and there were good indications in the data already that a lot a large fraction of those COVID deaths were people that maybe died from a new pathogen. If you if you buy into like that's a new pathogen uh, narrative uh, compared to they would have died from the flu anyway. And looking at the statistics, I, w I was interested to see that uh, four years prior or the last four prior years in Italy. Um, were very deadly as far as the flu goes. 68,000 deaths in four years in Italy. And it is known that their hospital capacity is already in certain regions around 97 to 99% every winter without any extra crisis, without 
any new pathogen without any panic. You already have ICUs that sometimes need to refuse people. You already have uh, in certain unfortunate situations, people who cannot get treated. And that's a whole narrative uh, around flatten the curve that happened in in North America around uh, mid-March to mid-April, where we said, well, we don't want that to happen uh, in our neck of the woods. So we're going to lock down, ensure that we have ICU capacity, and it's a temporary measure, and then we're going to reopen, and then we're going to beat that virus. And then I, I don't know exactly what happened, you know, but um, I, I think the way I see it, it's people come come at it from different angles. You know, I, I saw firsthand when I started my research in, into COVID that everyone wants to see the world with the lens they usually put on. So I saw people in my circles that are um, extremely, call it, uh, uh, focused on the deep state and looking at, oh, okay, their angle was, well, there's a lot of corporate uh, interest in this and uh, it might be a pandemic and uh, th- the deep state is trying to um, to do something. So maybe it was, it was uh, a man-made virus or there's an agenda behind it, like a real agenda. Um, some other people in my circles are more realist and they see the world as, uh, well, it's corporate interest. And uh, once the pandemic is there, a lot of people want it to keep going to make money, whether it's in the form of a vaccine that comes that's going to make billions and billions a year to the, the 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 lucky manufacturer who has that contract with multiple countries or multiple manufacturers maybe people who uh, sell masks want want to make these millions people who do testing want to make these billions and then governments maybe they they recuperate the crisis for their own agenda. And sometimes it's, uh, well, we're going to just um, surveil the, the population more because we think it's good for them. Or um, this crisis, I'm going to be a hero since uh, I, I'm fighting COVID and then people are going to see me as their hero if I'm the prime minister of a country. So everyone kind of in that angle, it was more like, well, everyone's an opportunist <laughs> in, in a time of crisis, of war. Everyone wants to make a buck and 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 come and and end the crisis as a, a well with more than at the beginning. So everyone has something to gain. Um, and then, I mean, it, it was difficult to navigate because everyone had the, their own confirmation bias. And, and I saw, also saw the confirmation bias of people being completely paralyzed by fear. And, and really, even people in, in the, I follow a few people that, let's say, you could, you could talk preppers. Uh, they're, it, it, it looks like these people who always prep for the end of the world, right? They have bunkers yeah. and they, they gather food and, and, and they learn survival skills, which is in itself in, incredibly uh, intelligent, something we should all aim to do as we, we just chatted about on my podcast just, a few, just an hour ago. It's, it's, it's intelligent. But at the same time, uh, a lot of these people in this community said, this is it. This is the big crisis this is the deadly virus and everyone's going to uh, uh, run ar- run around trying to uh, gather food. The the, uh, the entire society is going to crumble, but not us because we've been preparing for this. We're ready. So again, their angle, their confirmation bias is that p- part of it, it looks like they wanted this to be a real crisis. <laughs> because yeah, they spent like, yeah. all this money on their bunkers. They well, need exactly. <laughs> I, I've got 45K in my bunker, so I, I it, it better be serious, right? So 
I, I was somewhere in the middle. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. The fact that you're here is evidence that you're searching. You're looking into the possibility of bettering yourself, improving the lives of those around you, and maybe even the world. Maybe you're looking for some like-minded people to share the journey with you. That's great, and I hope you're finding all of that here and even more. But feeling a sense of belonging can only get you so far. Getting involved and making a real contribution is what sparks true responsibility and meaning in our lives. That's why I founded the Czech Academy and created an educational system that can help anyone become an elite, well-paid holistic health professional, regardless of prior experience. I created the Academy for people just like you. It's for busy people, people with commitments, people who want to make a change in their lives and a real difference in their clients' lives and the world, and you can build the skills you need and still honor your job and commitments because the Academy is all about quality over quantity. You can complete all of our educational materials within as little as five hours a week and begin to practice your new skills immediately. I've designed the lessons to be that digestible for any student. Plus, you'll have the support of exclusive online workshops, group mentor calls, and of course, your fellow students. It's everything you'll need to become a world-class holistic health practitioner and a real difference maker in the lives of those around you. Go to chekinstitute.com forward slash academy. That's chekinstitute.com forward slash academy to apply and get a free consultation with our career advisors and learn more. Applications are open until November 15th, but I may have to close it down earlier because we've had a lot of applications and there are limited seats in the academy. We try to keep the class numbers down so that there's a lot more instructor contact and better depth and penetration of learning. Thank you and I look forward to seeing you in the academy where we achieve personal well-being and share our love and wisdom with the world. With Anthony G. Beck, we started, um, he, he really looked at the data in, in, in a few lenses, and one of them was history. So what is the history of past pandemics? What has happened in previous years as far as overall mortality from influenza-like uh, illnesses? Uh, um, how many people are usually hospitalized in the U.S. at this time of the year versus 2019 versus 2017 versus previous years. So uh, it really opened my eyes to, okay, well, we need to put it into perspective. So for example, a lot of people looked at Italy and they said, this is an unprecedented crisis. People are dropping dead in the ICU and they're on ventilators and all this. And it was, it was shown in the media as something unprecedented and deadly and, and, and dangerous. And everyone panicked in North America, mainly because of those, those messages in Italy, in Italy combined with the Imperial College that is uh, basically Ferguson and a few researchers that published a paper around mid-March that predicted that in the U.S., if we did nothing, 2.2 million people would drop dead before the end of the year, I think, some, some, something like that, around, around, uh, around that prediction. And then if we did everything right, it was around 1.1 million. That's still a lot of people that, that, that would die, and that was like a really apocalyptic <laughs> prediction if you and and it made this is this is the paper that made 
uh, Boris Johnson in the UK uh, do a complete U-turn on his uh, on his strategy. He, de- he decided at first we're going to do like Swe- like Sweden. We're going to maybe uh, do social distancing, hand washing, and then we're going to uh, kind of watch and see and ensure our ICUs are ready and whatnot. But instead, he-, he saw the paper, and the next week they were locking down. So he decided to completely turn around, and a lot of countries, based on that paper, kind of panicked. And the problem with that paper and with the perception of what what people think happened in Italy is that I I think the media started spinning a lot of stuff out of context. And then, of course, you could see, you, you could say, well, the media, who's owning the media? And yeah, it would lead you to big players such as uh, advertisers from the telecoms, from big pharma. Um, Bill Gates. Uh, uh, Bill Gates, yes, of course. And I mean, I saw articles about Bill Gates funding in the in the millions, if not billions of dollars every year to uh, to educate journalists <laughs> so it's uh there's a lot of conflict of interest you know i'm i come at it as a as a uh, as a realist i'm i i had a very hard time because again i'm i'm in between looking deep down into the the rabbit hole of uh deep state and and interest and but sometimes it gets um sometimes um there's there's it ends in the corridor and there's no door there's we lack the information and and i don't like it i don't like speculation i like to be to stay my my uh, with my feet on the ground so instead i took um the scientific approach because i quickly found that certain scientists were saying wait a minute uh well yes um in italy it looks bad but look Italy normally is bad when it comes to the flu. And in the north of Italy, where most of the mortality was, it's already at full capacity in normal years. So the images that the media is are, are filming and then putting on to routers and, I don't know, associated press and then everyone's on, on, on CNN and CBC Canada or whatever are showing, it's, it's the same images you could have taken in 2017 when the flu, pand- the, the flu was at a pandemic level and mortality was very, very, very bad. And a lot of people in this age group that have uh, uh, comorbidities were already dropping dead. So the problem is that the media spun this as if this is a new thing. And it, it, it really went out of control. At this point, most people believed that uh, a few things about COVID. And the, the main thing that they believed is that this virus is... Uh, it's a novel, right? Again, COVID, novel coronavirus, novel, novel, novel. So in other words, it's unprecedented. It's novel. We have no former immunity to the virus. We don't know anything about COVID. It could kill anyone. We have no idea what's going on. And and I think this message was, wasn't right. In reality, very quickly, we had data. We had data about what happened in Wuhan, what happened in other parts of the world. And we had data, for example, that clearly showed very, very early. I wrote my first article April 1st, and it was already clear that COVID was not killing us basically not a single child around around the world and and then there became some exceptions but in reality in april mid-april there was a paper in uh, i think it's the lancet that showed that the flu was 
way more deadly than COVID for children every year. In the U.S., for example, you have a few hundred children that unfortunately pass away from the flu, and most of them have, um, um, let's say, cancer or autoimmunity, and they're already in bad health, but not all of them. Maybe there's a few healthy children that pass away from the flu, and this is, this is horrible, but we don't perceive the flu this way. It's part of our reality. It's part of society, and I mean, we almost laugh about it like, oh, I just have a bad flu. Ha ha ha. I'm going to um, take a glass of water, sleep it off, right? So it's not perceived that as a big health threat. But COVID, the coronavirus, it was this new word that came into our our, our um, global consciousness that really seen people saw a movie, saw things like movies, Contagion, right? That movie with Jude Law. And uh, crazily enough, I saw I saw news that this movie was among the top Netflix, top watched movies uh, in March and April. So people in the time of pandemic, their best idea to ca- calm down their nerves was to watch a movie about how the world is coming to an end because of a deadly virus, which is very sadistic. <laughs> I don't know why people do that. But again, it shows you that maybe people have been watching too many movies. And then the mainstream media was really playing out a movie on the TV, to be honest. Uh, the way they were talking about it was their their coverage was not balanced. And, and the numbers were not shown in perspective. So instead, in Italy, we should have said, well, normally Italy is in deep shit. Now they're in deeper shit because of the panic and maybe because COVID is especially deadly. But again, we could we could have said uh, people who are older and with comorbidities face great risk, but not children. Very early, it was clear. It was clear in April, but somehow... It's, it's fear that got the, the best of us. So the world locked down and then the world started in, in certain regions to remove the lockdowns, but then something happened. Not much happened when we removed the lockdown. And, and, and the again, the, the narrative became, well, when we remove the lockdown, we're going to get COVID and so many people are going to die. It, it, it did not happen. It did not happen. I remember in Quebec, I was... I, I lived at my father's for four months because we didn't have an apartment anymore because we were supposed to be in Prague and all sorts of uh, technicalities. Um, and I remember in Quebec, people were kind of just waiting two weeks because usually kind of you catch COVID and most of the mortality would happen two weeks afterwards or hospitalizations at least would rise up two weeks after an increase in cases and nothing happened. So it, it told us one thing. It, it really showed that the lockdowns themselves did not save the planet. Um, and and But the perception was there that we were supposed to all die. We locked down. And then when we reopen, well, now there's a break in logic because normally you're, you're supposed to be seeing an increase in not only cases, but also mortality, hospitalization. It didn't happen. So that at this point, logic, I felt like, I, I feel like April is where... April and May is where logic really um, left the the entire COVID debate. Uh, logic and science. And a lot of scientists are completely uh, shocked at what happened afterwards because um, at this point, we have a lot of information about COVID. Clearly, in May, we already know lockdowns are not very effective 
or even needed because most of the ICU capacities stayed low. In Canada, they stayed pretty low. Uh, even in the UK, where they did everything they could, they, they built eight or nine, uh, the, the, the Nightingale uh, military hospitals, they had to dismantle them after seeing a few patients. Even in New York City, they uh, they had military help with that entire, that, that hospital boat that they, they, um, <clears throat> they, they summoned to to uh, to help out, and in the end, it wasn't used because the capacity was yes. It, it there was a lot of mortality in New York City. I'm not den- denying that, but most hospitals were fine. A few were not, and then overall, the ICU capacity was still good. And in Seattle, they had the help of military hospitals, never used, or maybe for a handful of patients, almost as his. As if uh, they sent a few patients there for a publicity stunt. So in reality, the preparation was way, way, way overblown. And it was already clear in May. But at this point came the uncertainty of, well, maybe it's going to come back or maybe uh, there's going to be a second wave. Um, and, and in reality, you know, it never came. In the U.S., we, we did have, uh, because of, the seasonality of coronaviruses, which the the WHO denies, but it's very clear that you had one wave in the north uh, around, uh, well, New York City was what, uh, March, April kind of uh, timing. And then later you had uh, the Sun Belt, Florida, Texas, etc., that had their own kind of wave, but it was way, way, way smaller, smaller than New York City. And there, there's a few reasons that could have happened. For example, better care of patients, more knowledge about uh, the virus itself, or maybe um, New York City was a fluke and the treatment was worse than the cure. And uh, there's good indications that this is what happened and that nursing homes were um, basically, they send people uh, from the hospitals to nursing homes without testing them prior. So it was a lot of bad health policies that maybe caused overall mortality to increase there. So what happened is after that, we're in July and we're freaking out again in the U.S. because uh, now it's the Sun Belt that's attacked by this deadly virus. But again, it, there's California with people that are, let's say, left-leaning uh, Democrats that say, uh, it became, you know, and I mean, it became political, but I'm a Canadian, so I, I stay out of U.S. politics. I'm happy to be Canadian in, the, in, the, in these times because it's easier for me to disconnect and say, you know what? Yeah, some people love Trump. Some people hate Trump. Some people want Trump to disappear since they hate him so much. But I mean, I'm a little bit as an outsider. I see that and I say, well, it's cool that you have uh, political opinions, but this the virus is not political. It's just a virus. It has to do with health policies and data and, and scientific interventions for society and keeping everyone healthy. So in the end, it was a big fight between Florida and um it, w- it was, in fact, uh, Florida and, and the Californian approach kind of being e- more extreme. And then uh, Florida won in the end because they, they, they took it a little bit uh, more relaxed, uh, didn't, didn't uh, just uh, perpetuate the lockdowns with no end in sight like they wanted to do in L.A., for example, for a while. They kind of said, I don't remember when it was, like July, they said, we're going to lock down uh, until the end of the year or something crazy. And then, of course, people are out of job and all sorts of uh, side effects of that. And 
at this point, it became clear that Florida wasn't hit that bad, even if they had relaxed uh, guidelines or uh, a more relaxed lockdown. So it was clear that, again, just like it was the case in April and in May and in June and in July, it was clear that this is not as bad as everyone thought. The mortality statistics showed, for example, that maybe COVID is a little bit more deadly than the flu, uh, than the flu around the, uh, an infection fatality ratio IFR of maybe 0.4%. And the CDC came up with that uh, in, in June and July. But it's not initially that much uh, worse than a bad flu season. So if, if it's the case, why are we freaking out so bad? And I've got no answer, but that people are really have been have been uh, traumatized by I call it call it the media. Who's responsible? I have a hard time. I mean, the WHO. I can say as as far as big organizations, they've been wrong on so many levels. It's it's crazy. They've been in uh, back in June. They've been uh, again making the comparison between COVID and the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu pandemic, which is completely ridiculous. The Spanish flu maybe killed ten fifteen percent who caught the flu compared to maybe 0.4% of COVID. So it's it's a completely unacceptable and uh, comparison. And it really um, begs into question why they're saying that. And when you look at the financing of that organization, it shows you that, geez, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, humongously strong and influential people who are pushing for the fear to continue. And one thing that happened in July in Quebec, July 18th, I remember I remember it as a as a birthday, a bad like a <laughs> a negative birthday for me is when the masks became mandatory in Quebec. And I was very 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 difficult for me emotionally because I had been publishing information on COVID saying, you know what, in back in April, it's clear that this thing is not as dangerous as as we all thought and we should probably calm down and ensure that everyone is healthy because there are a lot of health consequences for the lockdowns, uh, job loss, suicides, and all the deaths of despair we're going to see. So I was I was shattered when they 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 had mandatory masks, and I I, I researched the matter, and uh, an investigative journalist from the Guardian uh, came to the WHO at a con- press conference, asked them. Uh, did you um, change your mind around mandatory masking? Because the WHO for the last 40 years has been against mandatory masking or using masks in a whole population for pandemics. It's not part of the interventions they think work on a scientific standpoint. And they changed that in June and they now recommend mask for all. And the, 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 the investigative journalist said, is it because of lobbyists or political pressure? And they say, they, they just said, we cannot deny it. <laughs> we cannot, we cannot de- deny that this is the fact. Uh, so in other words, it's not even science that uh, change as far as masking goes. It's more like political pressure to mask people up. And I was pissed off because I said, well, it's going to keep everyone in fear and everyone's going to continue freaking out about the cases and whatnot. And here we are in September People still believe that kids can easily die from COVID. I see that every day from parents. I see teacher unions freaking out about the fact we're all going to die. 
even if we've been we've known for eight months that kids face zero risk, that they barely can uh, transmit COVID at all, and people are still freaking out that there's going to be a bigger second wave, and none of this is based on, or little of it is based on sound science. Getting sick is no fun. A scratchy throat or congested sinus take their toll on our energy and our happiness. Finally, there's a natural organic solution. If you're tired of remembering different pills and gulping gross syrups, you'll love this refreshing orange juice. Organifi Immunity is a simple immune-boosting superfood blend which can help fight the symptoms and decrease the durations of colds and flus. This new formula combines many helpful ingredients you already know, like zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D3, with revolutionary new discoveries like ultrasonic-extracted mushroom beta-glycans. It's traditional wisdom and modern science combined. Not just for the flu season, but a great general immune boost you can enjoy now and stop falling for colds, flus, and many other infections. Organifi Immunity tastes great hot or cold, is quick and easy to use. Just pour your package into water, mix, and enjoy. If you enjoy capsules or just want to add extra immune support nutrition to your daily regimen, try Organifi Critical Immune. These caps are easy and effective to use. I love using Organifi products because that way I know for sure I'm taking good care of myself and supporting organic farmers and soil regeneration too. Go to www.organifi.com, that's Organifi.com, and on checkout use the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K20, that's CHECK20, to get your 20% discount on any purchase. And for Living 4D listeners, that 20% discount is across the board. So shop around at Organifi and enjoy more health and vitality. In reality, what is the best example that we have of what's going to happen in the rest of the world when COVID goes through the entire population is Sweden. They have a Yes, a, a little bit uh, larger mortality compared to neighboring countries, but they have made uh, no lockdown, mild social distancing, no masks since their public health uh, agencies say masks don't work. <laughs> Funnily enough, they say, no, we don't need it. We don't need it in tr uh, public transportation. We don't need it. Why? Well, because they don't work. So it's their opinion. Again, not mine. It's so certain countries assess the science way differently but we know that the swedish don't have financial ties they're not uh attacked by corporate interest because their health agency is a completely separate entity from the government and their the way their politics are built or their health agencies are built is really quite unique and i think that's why they had to pursue instead of trying a lockdown which is a completely new and novel approach to fighting a pandemic instead they said well let's let's try just what worked in the, in the past which is social distancing education to citizens and, and making sure and just saying well people are smart so they're going to protect themselves and giving citizens uh responsibility and powering them instead of uh beating them up like it's happening in Australia with police forces everywhere in New Zealand um, which is completely crazy. It's it really become a police state and it's completely the wrong approach. And in Sweden, what's happening today? 
is that the news as of this morning, September 15, as we're recording this, is that they're finally reopening visits to nursing homes. So reopening visits to nursing homes, no ICU um, capacity that's used at all for COVID, virtually zero death per day, uh, very few cases, very soft social distancing. In fact, most Swedish people have been going to the beach and just doing their regular things during summer. Uh, no fear, no police enforcement. Uh, it's almost business as usual in Sweden and also several countries in the European Union, uh, especially Eastern Europe, like Bulgaria and uh, Hungary, for, uh, Hungary, for example. Um, so these countries are back to normal. And their debt rate or, or the excess mortality this year will not be seen in the statistics. So what does that tell you? It tells you that... It tells you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it tells you something very dangerous, Paul, because, I mean, try to deny that. And I see, still see people kind of um, in fear uh, with trying to argue that Sweden failed. And I tell, you, tell them, well, if Sweden failed, where did they fail? They failed to protect nursing homes. Yes. Did they, um, unfortunately, see a lot of their elderly citizens pass away because they did not... Um, um, prohibit visits to the elderly in these uh, crucial weeks? Yes. Did they apologize? Yes. Which is very rare of politicians, I'll tell you that. So aside from that, in Sweden, they did the best European Union guidelines for pandemics. The virus went through the population. People got just responsible and uh, they didn't have to closed down everything. They didn't have to uh, have mandatory closures of schools. Some schools closed on their own because they decided to. So it was empowering people to take their own decisions. And now they're done. They're done and they're kind of living happy, even if it, it was a crisis. Don't get me wrong. And some people lost uh, their ones. And I don't want to um, minimize the death. And I know some people listening to this conversation will really... Um, sometimes you react, you, you you can react with a, a strong emotional response. And if I had lost someone to COVID, maybe I would be in that camp. But looking at the data, the fact is that we don't see excess mortality in 2020 in Sweden compared to previous years. And this is also true in most countries. So what this tells us, Switzerland, for example, same thing, Netherlands, uh, Ireland, Scotland. I mean, the, the examples are, are multiple, and I think it will normalize uh, in the next months. What seems to be a common factor in places that were hit hard is the amount of panic, but also the amount of elderly people that were, quote unquote, available for COVID to take. If uh, countries had a very mild flu season the few years prior, then they had a high COVID season. If they had a very harsh flu season in the last previous years, then they had a very mild COVID season. And why is that? Well, that's because our elderly are very sick and they can die from any respiratory illness or pathogen that's going around, whether it's the flu or when we say the flu, Paul, something I learned from scientists, you know, looking at this, I, I, I really started from scratch at the beginning of the year, not initially knowing what the hell we do every year to uh, monitor the flu and monitor flu-like illnesses. They say the flu, in reality, it's 
flu-like illnesses and hospitalizations or deaths from flu-like illnesses. It's not just influenza A and influenza B. There are uh, very, very common strains of influenza or H1N1 that, yes, there was this deadly pandemic in 2009, but now it's part of the regular flu-like illnesses annual burden. It's in fact families of viruses that are come and go in different regions of the world. In Germany, you have, uh, uh, for example, the the Robert Koch uh, Institute, uh, RKI, is looking, I, I was looking at this document at the beginning in April, and they have, well, they have the families of coronaviruses that they follow every year. They look at what strains are more prevalent, um, uh, how, how many a positive test they get in random samples of population or in hospitals. You have the uh, adenoviruses, you have the rhinoviruses, you have the endoviruses, you have the influenzas. Uh, so there's a lot of, of different viruses. There's, there's in fact more than 200 different viruses that are known to cause flu-like or cold-like symptoms. So it's very difficult to 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 know exactly what did the, the these people people die from is it covid or was it flu or was it pneumonia caused by something else and they just happened to have covid in their system so that's why we look at overall excess mortality did more people die in 2020 compared to 2019 and so far the answer is barely barely more and 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 of that barely more that excess mortality beyond tw- uh, 2019 we already know that there's for example in the UK out of all their debts i don't I, I haven't checked the numbers in a while i think there's probably way over 60,000 now but we know that over 10,000 people alone have died from undiagnosed cancer screenings or untreated cancers or untreated or uh untreated heart disease so preventable heart attacks killed already i think it's 8000 people as of july in the uk alone and that's mainstream news so the problem is this hyper focus on covid well there's consequences the nhs which is natural na- uh, national health services in the uk basically became the covid health services and it still does that it still postpones the the surgeries and the cancer treatments and uh, the the screenings and the uh, colonoscopies and the I don't know the public health messages around go outside and get vitamin D I don't know so you know it it, it really became this myopic focus on COVID and I think that it's now just emerging how bad the response was considering that COVID was not this this deadly 1918-esque pandemic that uh, would kill 20 million, or I don't know, at one point they said 50 million. I don't know, like, uh, if if the virus goes unabated, so many people are going to die. Well, it's not happening. It's not happening anywhere in the world where we, we are seeing this incredible death rating young people that 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 happened in in 1918 uh, in fact in 1918 uh it's it's around let me find that it's eight to ten percent of all young adults died from the virus with covid it's um closer to zero zero point zero 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 one percent so 
it's it you know what happened this year I'll, I'll, my my summary of this long-winded answer is we might have seen a new a new virus that kills people in nursing homes in greater amounts but even then it's un, still unclear and debatable to me if that excess mortality was caused by other factors or aggravated by other factors but that's that's about it that's 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 what happened there's a few things that i wrote down uh while you were talking that i wanted to bring up cuz i think they're important points one i saw two separate videos i can't remember the doctor's name but they they did a very good job of getting him off he's a uh kind of like zach bush multiple board certified surgeon cancer specialist um he he told a lot of things that were very important for people to be aware of. But one of the things he highlighted, and then another woman also highlighted in her presentation, was that they were actually using the same video footage shot in a hospital. I believe it was either in New York or in Italy, but posting it on television all over the world, showing that all the emergency rooms were full, people were dying everywhere, but they were using exactly the same video, but stating that this was in London or this was in Switzerland or this was, and they, and so they, they, it made it very clear. This is a, this is a, a, a movie script. This is not reality. And it, so that's true that that that's correct. It happened several times that things like that were in the media. Yeah. And and then another woman who's done several great uh, video presentations. I forgot her name. She, I think she's a Canadian woman, but uh, she went to hospitals all over the place, right in the thick of this thing. And there was nobody there. The nurses were getting laid off. There was nothing going on in the hospitals. Yet in the news, they were saying how hospitals were being flooded. The emergency systems were taxed out. She went and interviewed paramedics. They said they're hardly seeing anybody. One, She went to in New York, talked to a paramedic there. He said, well, in the whole time this has been on, I think I've only seen three cases. And she said, well, how do you know they were COVID cases? He said, well, I don't. I, we were just told to go based on symptoms. How can you tell the difference between the symptoms of that and the flu? Well, you really can't. So there was obviously a very well-coordinated, massive worldwide effort to create the illusion that we were having a massive, dangerous viral epidemic. The next is in The Guardian... I was forwarded an article from the Garden, Guardian, which I printed and read every word of, which was quite good. It was excellent. And one of the Guardian's investigative journalists interviewed several of the top virologists and epidemiologists around the world addressing the issue of, do we actually have a legitimate test for COVID? And the answer is no. We do not have a legitimate test for COVID. So all the statements about the so-called death rates or mortality, or even people having that put on their death certificate are all based on assumptions and not one single of the top virologists or, or epidemiologists interviewed admit could admit that we actually have a working test. And I believe it's Potch's costulates or something like that, which gives the criteria for what you have to do to develop an effective test for a virus. 
and none of the tests being used meet those criteria. So they're all being sold to the public as legitimate tests, but none of them meet the criteria of an authentic test for the COVID virus. So when you look at all the things you've just shared in light of the fact that there is no actual valid test for COVID, you can only come to one conclusion. Somebody's making up a hell of a story. Yeah, I mean, some it's it's been months that things simply don't make sense. That's all. That's all I'll say about the testing. It's it's still unclear to me if, if the Cox uh, the Cox postulates uh, are are really. I I think they're really uh, okay with them not being met, and that's uh, uh, David Crow, who unfortunately passed away from cancer in uh, in April. He's a Canadian researcher, and um, he, he really explained how the pandemic ended in 2009 for H1N1. And um, yes, the, the the testing was basically the same. The Koch's postulates were, were not met. They were finding cases. And when it ended is when they said, we're going to only test people or consider people real cases of H1N1 when they've been in with possible contact uh, uh, with other people with H1N1. So other, in, in other words, you add the epidemiological link. With COVID, they're, they've loosened the definition so much that starting around, uh, well, starting at the beginning, they said um, a, a, a suspected case of COVID can be someone who's been in contact with another case, known co- case of COVID, but a confirmed test uh, or, or a confirmed case of COVID is based on the PCR test being positive. And, and that's mad because it's not reliable. It's not, it, it's, it's, it's not reliable. And it's not because you have COVID in your system that, uh, that, that it, it's initially makes you sick or it, now we've learned since the test, the, the testing has been developed so fast and, and in such uh, panic, or you could say some people wanted the test to be bad because there are good indications of that as well, that uh, it's picking up past infections. In fact, the, the, even the New York Times came, came up with a great article, and I'm, I'm very surprised I'm telling you <laughs> good things about the New York Times because I've been just appalled at their reporting and their panic and their nonsense they've displayed in this crisis. And I'm not trying to be uh, superior about it. I mean, I'm just, I'm not even a, 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 a classically trained journalist, but when I see nonsense, I can call it that as it is. And the New York Times has been in, in sheer panic uh, with predictions and apocalypse over and over and over. At least there, some people at the New York Times might be coming to their senses or maybe now the tide is turning a bit, but they've been talking about the fact that most COVID cases that we're finding now at the end of a pandemic with such a low prevalence in the population are probably false positives. What does that mean? Well, a false positive is when I say, Paul, you have COVID. In reality, you don't. It's just that the test was bogus and it gives you a yes. In reality, it should have given you a no. The false positive rate is something that's known in testing, but it's it's especially bad for COVID tests. For example, there's an, uh, a researcher who's one of the very important uh, uh, virologists working with the WHO in the last uh, 30 years as an advisor, uh, it, I think it's Dr. Ling, if I'm not, I don't have the article in front of me, but he, he found that there's a, 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 
COVID uh, false positive rate uh, on the CDC test of 30%, which is horrible because when you look at how much we've increased testing, they're testing in the millions per day, <laughs> or I think it's 1 million per day now or something like that. So it's, it's so many tests. So imagine if there's just a fraction of those that are false positives. Well, we can continue in the media to say uh, we've got thousands or tens of thousands of positive COVID uh, people nowadays, and uh, we're not trying, we're not able to contain this thing, and we're in deep trouble. In reality, maybe all of these are false positive. Imagine if we're <laughs> we're just we're just freaking out over testing that is giving us the wrong information and yeah the the, 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 it's the guardian hi you guys i know you all know that super green powders are good for you if they're made from organic sources and they're processed properly so the nutrients are there and that's exactly what paleo valley does with their super greens powder so I brought Autumn Smith in to tell us exactly how she created it and why and what it's going to do for you when you try their amazing organic super greens powder. Autumn, what is the magic you've got here? Well, like you said, we all need to get more of those micronutrients that you find in fresh fruits and vegetables. And so we've created a powder that you do not have to choke down. It has an absolutely delicious berry lemonade flavor. And the reason that it's different is because A, it is all organic, 23 organic superfood ingredients. And B, it is a very, very gut-friendly product because what I've found in my practice is that a lot of people don't do well with cereal grasses. And we know cereal grasses, like wheatgrass, can contain lectins that can be hard on the guts of a lot of people I work with. And so what we did was we created a a cereal grass-free alternative. We use high quality, the cleanest, highest quality spirulina on the market, raised in India. And then we added the 22 other organic fresh fruits and vegetables, and the flavor will surprise you. So all you have to do to check it out is go ahead to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15, at checkout. My son drinks it every day. We call it his ninja juice, and I sincerely hope your family loves it as much as ours does. All right, everybody. Go paleo green and get rocking. Hope you love it. The Guardian, uh, when they interviewed all these different experts, many of them stated that one, the test they're using is not designed to diagnose the virus. It's a test that was designed by a researcher for a completely different purpose. And several of the experts gave statistical analysis and said that the false positives could easily be 40% or higher using the PCR test. If I remember, uh, it was the, the, the article has, I'll make sure Penny puts it in the show notes so people can read it because it was a very thorough article. I was very impressed. And it gave references and the names of the people. And most of the so-called experts from the standard medical community chose not to comment when asked these direct questions, such as, is there a reliable test that meets the criteria for being a test? They simply would not respond. So this whole thing is built upon what OSHA would call a paper boat. And if you get enough people believing anything, then they actually manifest it. And we also have to consider when you look at the statistical analysis of the effect of the placebo effect in reverse called the nocebo effect, which is just as effective as the placebo, all you've got to do is get enough people to hear the same message over and over again, 
and they actually believe it and start manifesting symptoms based on what symptoms they've been programmed to believe they should have. And I've looked into the whole issue of, of uh, placebo and nocebo quite extensively, read entire articles and journals and, and books discussing this because it's such a medical phenomenon and it's very challenging to drug manufacturers, as you know, uh, to produce a drug that's more effective than a placebo is something that's not very often done by drug manufacturers, which is why they resort to producing fake research which I know for a fact they do because I have a friend that's an FDA agent. He's busted several medical doctors for producing research that never actually happened that ended up in mainstream scientific journals, mostly on drugs, but they made the research up and pretended that they were running these research um, studies and it's all bogus. And this happens regularly. And I'm getting that right from an, uh, a government agent that's job is to track these people down. So, you know, there, there's another couple of things. One, I found it very interesting that uh, physicians were being mandated by the American Medical Association to label anything as a COVID death that even looked like something viral. And I saw several interviews with doctors who were absolutely disgusted and appalled that any physician would actually do that because it's a complete, uh, it's a complete breach of the vows a physician takes as a physician, it's basically the equivalent of lying to people and being very unscientific. Um, I saw an interview with a German epidemiologist who's, uh, epidemiologist who's actually in charge of monitoring viruses for the entire country of Germany. And it was all subtitled because he was speaking in German, but he made it very clear. He said, this information is not accurate. It's not reliable. He said the information that the American government is acting on is not reliable. He said, it's my job to monitor these things. And if there was a real epidemic, I'd be the first but person to know about it. But what he pointed out is that there's a lot of scientific companies, people involved in science, that make a lot of money off these tests and that they took this opportunity to create the pandemic because it sells a ton of scientific tests. It sells a ton of, of it gives them a, a vehicle by which to get funding for research. So he said, he said, basically, this has been going on in the scientific community forever. This is nothing new. It's just unfortunate that it's leading to people being freaked out all over the world by this misinformation. So, uh, you know, then you have the issues we've highlighted on masks. And it's interesting because, you know, if you go back to the 911 event and all the uh, TSA and the airports and all the screening technologies, and you look and ask yourself this question how much money is wasted in airports every day of people having to throw food, water, and belongings into garbage cans, which they then have to go inside the airports and buy. It's in the billions and billions of dollars a year. Yeah, I saw a research report that investigated airline security and it analyzed how much airline security had improved since the implementation of TSA and all these measures that have been taken. Guess what the percentage of increase in airline security was? Four percent? I don't know. Zero. <laughs> oh, jeez. Zero. <laughs> oh, no. The entire thing is useless. It had not saved any deaths or 
or any incidents whatsoever. It's another brainwashing scam. Having studied brainwashing, having been in the military and know exactly how they do it, all you do is create a threat, create chaos, and then create the illusion that you have the solution and make it so that people have to follow orders to get to the solution or you put them away. And that's exactly what's been going on is a very amazing worldwide brainwashing campaign. And when you follow the money, it leads back to just a few organizations and a few people. Then you have, I saw a a guy giving a podcast out of Japan who's an American guy, and he did extensive research. He showed government documents from other countries, such as Germany and other countries, going all the way back. If I remember the earliest ones, I think one of them was 2013. I think there was one from 2005. Intergovernmental discussions of the COVID exercise and the application of martial law specifically to practice controlling the public and getting them to conform. He showed government documents from inside the US government, the German government, and several others going back many years. Then we have the issue that in November, I think 2015, if I remember right, Bill Gates was awarded a patent on coronavirus 15. And paradoxically, three months later, he announced publicly that there would be a viral pandemic coming and we would need to get ready for it. Hmm. How does that happen? Yeah, there's, and I mean, you know, Paul, what I realized um, is that this year, at at one point I was, uh, I, and I didn't talk, I talked about my initial panic, but I didn't, it wasn't the easiest year for me because I did go a little bit, I, I think I I took it too seriously, like reporting on, on COVID and I was anxious for it to end and I wasn't being patient and Zen about it. Not a second. I forgot to meditate, to be honest. Um, so the, 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 the problem, the problem with, with it all is that we we don't know exactly who's who's behind it but people who talk about that topic of corporate interest or an agenda they they get uh they're they're in their own echo chamber and and most of the population aren't even willing to have that discussion so they label them as conspiracy theorists which is ridiculous uh yes there are conspiracy theorists i see some people on the internet coming up with all sorts of crazy ideas that have uh really they're sometimes almost funny because they have nothing to do with reality or they're just speculate speculative but if we talk about uh control mass control uh huge forces wanting to control populations uh brainwashing propaganda which is i mean a tool that's been used for ages i mean we well exactly we know the nazis have used it but we know the cia has used it we know that the cia has paid uh uh thousands of journalists in the u.s and this has been in the news in the 70s and probably has, has been continuing since then and that's part of the pandemic documentary which i've watched the part two of indoctrination and i was i, I watched it um a few days ago and Everything that has been said in the media, it's fake, it's a conspiracy theory. And what I found in this documentary is interesting information, 
well-researched, well-thought-out, and, uh, well, uh, I'm open-minded enough to say, well, it made me made me think. And that's it. I, ha- I, I didn't see arguments made out of nowhere. I didn't see an incitation to violence. I didn't see misinformation. And that's, that's unfortunately, a lot of people just listen to sources that uh, confirm their own beliefs. And 2020 for me has been the year I've been realizing how much I do it in my own life to be just, uh, to be honest about it and how much others do it in their life. Confirmation bias. So you you think the virus is very dangerous because unfortunately your uncle has passed away from COVID a month ago. Then you everything you read on the internet that's uh, minimizing the risk, you say bullshit to, right? And you say, and you read the New York Times and you say, yes, it's true. COVID is super dangerous. And the opposite is true. I see people in, in this world of uh, deep state and, and uh, agendas, and sometimes they go overboard too, or they only talk to people who think like them. <laughs> so we all do this. And, and I saw it in a major way this year. And I find it so unfortunate that, um, and, and so, well, it, it, it angers me that there's the the mainstream media that clearly has um i would say an agenda but they 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 push back against what is perceived uh as conspiracy theory when in the end geez pandemic is 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 uh <laughs> it's better work than most investigative journalists are doing these days i'm sorry but it's better work. And, and where are the journal? Where are the real journalists, Paul? I mean, they they're off platforms. Uh, Kim Kim Iverson and and uh, and Ben Swan, who's a, a great reporter, award winning. Well, he doesn't have a platform anymore. He's speaking on YouTube, and now he's trying to create his own uh, video based platform, Ice uh, Ice Media I S E dot media which is great because it's been censored, it's been uh, pushed aside. It looks like all the real journalists that are supposed to investigate all matters, does the virus has a, a human, a man-made origin or was it tampered with in a lab? Well, how, how does asking the question make you a conspiracy theorist? Because 20 years ago, it made you an investigative reporter that's serious if you first ask the question, then you can pursue that lead and maybe it leads to nothing and you don't publish anything. You say, well, no, it doesn't look like it's the case, but you pursue it. You ask the question. Nowadays, it looks like asking questions is an act of, uh, I don't know, it's being criminal terrorism. or something. Terrorism. Yeah. You're doing, oh no, you're doing misinformation. And you know, it, I wasn't shielded against that, uh, that, that group think. And, and that pressure to confer, conform. In fact, uh, when I right before I published my article on April first, I remember March thirty first. I was sitting in front of a computer having second thoughts, and I told myself, um, like I I took the decision, and that's one of the most important in my career as a an author, educator. Some would call me investigative journalist if you want to use that term. I, I really don't don't mind, but as someone who's trying to research the truth and report it as I know it, is uh, I, I was I was freaking out. I was ready to lose my position on Facebook, 
to lose, um, to be banned from YouTube, from LinkedIn, to be lynched by my colleagues because I saw people that I, I consider great colleagues that I respect a lot, uh, functional medicine space that were literally freaking out over COVID, like completely paralyzed by fear, saying, "You, everyone, get inside. This is deadly." And I didn't. What I published went against this opinion, and I was afraid of publishing something that I considered to be balanced, fair, and the truth as I researched it. And that's that tells you something. If I'm afraid after years as an author on EMFs of all subjects, of all topics, I've been talking about EMFs. I'm on the fringes of science, if you want, for years. And even with that background, I was terrified to publish on this. I, it tells you about what is the current climate. And that climate has been both uh, manufactured, I think, by some players that want to instill fear, but also self-perpetuated by groupthink and people who tell you to stay in line. It hap- And it's, it's happening for journalists or amateur journalists like me and authors and voices online who say, well, I don't want to hurt my business. So maybe I have thoughts about COVID, but no, I won't talk about it because it could hurt my sales. Or maybe people will stop listening to my podcast, or maybe I'll get a, I don't know, I'll go in prison. I don't know. Like in in Australia, it can happen now. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple things I want to point out because so many people kind of poo-poo conspiracy theories and say, oh, this is just a bunch of conspiracy theories and, and these are all nut cases, but there's, there's a real, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a holistic thinker. I look at both sides and I also spend time researching things that, that I think are important to get to the bottom of. And usually when I start doing research, uh, I find that what people think was a conspiracy actually isn't a conspiracy amongst people that do the research and spend the time investigating. It's only a conspiracy amongst lazy people that don't want to do the work to actually find that their (laughs) paradigm might get shattered. And so here's a key point. The conspiracy over who killed JFK, the conspiracy over UFOs, and are we being visited by extraterrestrials and does the government know about it? The conspiracy over germ theory, the conspiracy conspiracy over 911. Uh, The conspiracies over mind control and MK ultra and related programs. Well, sure enough, what do we find out? They're very real. And we find out, yes, we do have CIA agents as major news anchors and reporters in this country. That's been verified. But the point I'm driving at is you can go on the internet right now and find all sorts of evidence that nine one one was an inside job, but none of it's been taken down. You can find piles of information on both sides of the story on JFK, on germ theory versus environment and terrain, on genetics versus epigenetics. Right down the line, MKUltra, all sorts of stuff. You can investigate thoroughly both sides of the fence. But then we get to now. And all of a sudden, anybody publishing anything outside of the narrative disappears sometimes in as quick as a few minutes. And people like Brian Rose at London Real were shut down and many others. 
and people that were giving authentic information and even medical doctors stating their concerns were disappearing off the internet, which is actually against the U.S. Constitution and our rights of freedom of speech. So we are actually seeing organized terrorism from inside that is using information technology such as Google, Facebook, and other electronic devices against its own people to minimize access to information that we should all have the right to look at in order to make an informed decision. But all of a sudden, the tables are being spun so you can't get access to anything that goes against the narrative. And as I think it's Judy Mankovitz and others have said, and even people inside of Google I've seen interviews with saying that the way they're using this technology is the functional equivalent of weaponized technology and it's being used against our own people in every country. So my point is that when you're talking about a conspiracy, you're talking about something that people talk about, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence for. We're talking about the pandemic, which many people say these conversations are all conspiracies and it's a bunch of bullshit, but there's piles of evidence for it. And the evidence keeps disappearing very, very quickly. And the people producing it are often attacked in many ways, discredited. And as the guy Epstein, who figured out how Google was, was manipulating people's data found, he, they shut his bank accounts and, and his computers and everything. It took him over six months and legal work just to get himself to have access to his own bank accounts. That, that should be impossible for a company like Google to do to anybody because someone is producing scientific data to show that we're being manipulated and that it's affecting the way we see the world and the decisions we make and what we believe to be true and factual. So the point I'm making is it's not a conspiracy if there's a trail of evidence. It's, it's, it's actually, you could call it a theory from a scientific perspective. And when a theory is validated, then it's no longer a theory. Gravity used to be a theory. The earth was flat was a theory. But once we figured out that the earth wasn't flat and what gravity was, it wasn't a theory anymore. Hi, everybody. My friends at Bioptimizers have formulated the most complete, potent, and first full-spectrum magnesium formula ever created. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough. If there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough, it's magnesium. Magnesium is the body's master mineral, providing over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, Energy production and even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. But there are two big problems here. Magnesium has been largely missing from U.S. soils since the 1950s and probably soils around the world wherever commercial farming is done, which explains why it's estimated that up to 80% of the population may be deficient in magnesium. Most magnesium supplements only contain one or two forms of magnesium, when in reality there are at least seven your body needs and benefits from. If you take this later fact into consideration, it's logical to conclude that 99% of the population is likely to be deficient in two or more essential forms of magnesium. The good news is that when you do get all seven forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body is upgraded from your brain to your sleep to reducing pain and inflammation, and it all improves fast. 
The Bioptimizer's formulation team even included trace amounts of something called monoatomic magnesium, which helps make all the other forms of magnesium more bioavailable. With magnesium breakthrough as part of your daily supplement routine, you are likely to reduce your stress levels and feel relaxed and at peace, boost your immune system, maintain optimal heart rhythm, sleep faster and deeper. Better sleep quality is a surefire way to reduce your stress and to enhance overall performance. Sleeping better and having all seven forms of bioavailable magnesium to support your body is a great way to lower cortisol levels, which not only enhances cortisol melatonin balance, but people with adrenal exhaustion, often experiences chronically low energy levels, are likely to experience better short-term memory and improved cognitive performance as a result of enhancing their magnesium profile. And to my knowledge, Magnesium Breakthrough is the most complete magnesium supplement blend available. To get your Magnesium Breakthrough, go to bioptimizers.com forward slash living4d. That's bioptimizers, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash living number four small d. And your checkout code for your 10% discount is all small case P-A-U-L-10 for your 10% off any order. Enjoy Magnesium Breakthrough, sleeping better, looking better, and feeling better. You know, when I look at all this stuff, I say, well, look, we've, we've got some really serious things going on that we all need to look at. And we have to ask ourselves, why is this smokescreen being put out? Well, one, there's a lot of profit. But two, you look, for example, at the military industrial complex, which is one of the most cost uh, expensive organizations in every country. The military budget in the United States alone is absolutely friggin' massive. But one of the things that is becoming common knowledge is we cannot afford to start a war as a profit generating system anymore because something like 23 countries have nuclear weapons pointed at each other. And if anybody releases one of those then the countermeasures are going to destroy the whole planet. We have enough nuclear power to destroy this planet 179 times over. So what's what what a lot of the people that are in the know and inside these industries, and I've looked into this, are pointing to is that now they're creating chaos, confusion, and pandemic-type situations like we're going through as a means of doing exactly what they did with 911, which is to create billions and billions of dollars of profit. Well, guess who's involved in all this? The military industrial complex, who makes all the screening machines, who makes all the armaments, who makes all the protective gear, who does all the trainings for all these people? This is the military industrial complex. So what I see is going on, and this is my own perspective of it, is now they're using the public in each country to generate threats that require that governments spend millions and millions and millions and not including billions of dollars to produce these security measures, which then what do we have now? We have hard evidence that our iPhones are being used to spy on us, that they're listening to us. They're watching us as Mercola and Epstein have all showed clearly and you can read your own phone contracts every single time you plug your phone in or update it, your data is being uploaded to a cloud. They've got every picture of your crotch, your girlfriend, every conversation. All of that is being stored. And when you agree to update your phone without reading the fine print, you're agreeing to that. And so now we have 
real talk on the table with Bill Gates talking about chips that will monitor you ever wherever you go, that will tell you what vaccinations you have. They can monitor your spending. They can do real-time monitoring, tell you exactly what room you're in in your house. Well, who's doing all this? That's this military-industrial complex. So what I'm saying is because they can't afford to start a war to use it as a profit-generating center, they're actually creating an illusion of a war within each country, creating division, creating fear, and using that as a vehicle to implement advanced security tactics, which then lead to more arrests and to more fear and more control. And so what do you have? You have a system of brainwashing designed by the people that have the money to pull something like this off. And if you look at the amount of money going to be made off security measures and the amount of money to be made by people like Bill Gates off vaccines alone, it's in the trillions of dollars. So, you know, there's an old saying, he who has the gold rules. I don't think you need to be really smart to follow the money trail here. I mean, the amount of money Bill Gates has spent on investing in media and investing in journalists and like they showed in the pandemic, isn't it a miracle that all over the world in the news on the same day, exactly the same message is being given, all of which come right from Bill Gates? How do, how do you overlook that unless you're just a moron? Yeah, if you're a journalist, that's, that's your job in the first place. Looking at, oh my God, who's funding me? Who's, who's, who's deciding in the end what my news organization and my bosses are going to tell me what is allowed in the newspaper, on TV, or on the internet. Yeah, co completely accurate. And, you know, may, do, do you want to dive into 5G? Because I think there's a link there in, if you talk, I mean, we're, we're talking about surveillance and, and all this. One angle of 5G that is important to understand is, is simply is simply that. So 5G is the fifth generation of, of wireless uh, or cellular communications. And uh, uh, with 5G comes also the Internet of Things, the IoT. And both of these developments, one of the reasons they're concerning in my works around electropollution or EMFs, electromagnetic fields, same uh, same terms. I, I really like to use electropollution these days because I think it's it's really telling for people compared to EMF that uh, they think it's the that group from the 90s. Uh, no, it's just a joke. Uh, so basically... Basically, the surveillance grid that people people who want to imitate China <laughs> in the end. I mean, in the end, you want you want an example of a society that has succeeded in a surveillance state. Look at what technologies are actually used at the moment in China, and well, not just China, Nick. London has London has said uh, England has been said. Uh, from research I've looked at, to have more security cameras per capita than any country in the world. All you've got to do is walk around London. There's cameras looking up your backside. You, you they've, they're watching the populace of London, England, like it's a prison state. So it's not, it's not just China. When you start looking around the world, this stuff is coming on very stealth. And isn't it interesting that during the COVID pandemic? They were installing 5G systems in schools all over the world. Yeah, that's correct. Well, they, they just, uh, <laughs> no one was there to interfere. So they just that's rolled the out point. 5G even harder. Yeah, it's so, so the, with, with 5G Internet of Things, it, it just adds more sensors 
more cameras, more connected objects, and the possibility for someone to do something with it. When I refer to China, Paul, it's it's really more what they do with it that is more um, draconian, uh, like the blacklist, for example. You have, in the, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the millions of individuals that are on that list now that have reduced privileges, cannot take... Uh, uh, certain modes of transportation, cannot get a passport, etc. So if it happens in democratic countries, well, right now, most people maybe would have thought back in 2019 that no, it cannot happen back home. But well, the entire world in 2020 just decided to go with the Chinese government's version of what is right to do with a pen- for a pandemic and do a complete global lockdown in certain situations like New Zealand and Australia for months on end. How is that possible that we, we all of a sudden, democratic countries have chosen to, to emulate what is being done by the number one worst country when it comes to human rights in the world? It's, yeah, it's, that, that, that right there should make people really think. What the heck? They don't think. <laughs> they don't think. You know, David Bohm, the famous quantum physicist, said something very profound. Real thinking is challenging. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices and call it thinking. Exactly. Exactly. That's what, that's what I've been seeing so much of. So where 5G comes in, it's, it's simply that if you add all these towers everywhere, 5G requires way, way more cell towers compared to other technologies. It's especially when you talk about the aspect of 5G that's going to be in the higher range of frequencies, these millimeter waves that are used for scanners at the uh, at the airport, the TSA and whatnot. Um, when you use that, you have very high power, very fast transmission, uh, very happy users that can download uh, 4K movies in a few seconds, uh, or mostly it's probably going to be used by pornography like 50% because that's just what users do, that and video games. So mostly is mostly destructive or useless uses are pushing this technology forward is what I want to say. And you have more towers everywhere, more electropollution. Of course, that's a, a whole another aspect when it comes to the, the health of any biological being on the planet, but also more possibility of scanning mapping the environment, seeing who's there with millimeter waves. You can see who's inside a building and whatnot. You can already do that with Wi-Fi, by the way. And the military, one of the reasons the military uh, uh, complex is pushing forward just the use of wireless overall is this uh, capacity that they have to tell who's inside a building based on how the Wi-Fi signal is reflected on their body. That's a conversation I had with Alasdair Phillips, who's an uh, an engineer and EMF uh, advocate from the UK, from PowerWatch UK. And he told me, yeah, that's why they're <laughs> they're really keen on pushing more and more and more powerful Wi-Fis and 5G and these technologies because it's there and it's a, an additional tool for them to gather data. So you have the people who want to use it for surveillance have their agendas and corporations who might prefer uh, gathering the data and selling it. So for profit, like Google and other companies that are basically surveillance companies that sell their data to, they could sell it to the CIA, they could sell it to the US government, the the military, they could sell it to corporations who want to know- The highest bidder. The highest bidder, basically. So 
they're interested in having more sensors and more electropollution and more, more of, of, of everything, all these sensors, because for them, it's their, it's their cash cow. It's how they gather money. They gather that, well, Paul has uh, woken up tonight and in the middle of the night, he ate chocolate cake because I can track his food now in his smart fridge. Well, they want to know that because they're going to put you advertising for chocolate cake. I mean, it's, it, it's that. And then it becomes way more dangerous than that if it's used in certain ways that we're already seeing seeing in China, but that could be used in, in our society. It could be used in very, very uh, mischievous, mischievous ways. ways. I mean, if it's, well, Paul, you ate the chocolate cake, but you know that chocolate cake is minus four points in your health score. So now we're going to uh, increase your health insurance. Well, all of a sudden, every move you make in your everyday life becomes a surveilled move and you, it becomes you, data well it objective becomes data objective data that can come back to, uh, come back at you later so even if you make a joke about oh i hate this guy i want to punch his face and all of a sudden beep beep it goes into the system and now uh, well paul you had a violent thought today and you expressed it out loud so it becomes a surveillance society and it becomes the opposite of individual freedom where you can eat chocolate cake and no one has to know about it and it doesn't have to penalize you. And then I, it, I, I'm somewhere in between. You know, I'm for the ban of trans fats, for example. Whereas I, 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 I heard the argument from hardcore uh, people that that are, let's say, so focused on individual individual rights that could say, no, it's my right to eat trans fats, and I want to eat these donuts, these these trans fat laden donuts, and. Yes, of course, but let's replace the ingredients. You know, certain ingredients are so toxic, let's just replace them. So I'm for for certain interventions by government where it's uh, banning the use of a chemical that we know is extremely destructive. But when it comes to individual choices in our everyday life, it can quickly become so out of hand that we, we lose touch with what it, what it is to live in a free world, in a society that is 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 for informed consent on medical interventions on uh I can open a business when I want to I can be uh, I can do what I want in life I can express myself I can talk about my opinions even about my political opinions without being uh blacklisted from Facebook and YouTube and these kind of things so already with when you talk about censorship we're already seeing these freedoms uh, go back from basically we're we're going back to medi- medieval uh kind of uh, uh behaviors that we're seeing where it's like no these these people talking about um against bill gates should be burned to, <laughs> right so like witches uh well in reality if you express yourself in a non-violent way you should be allowed to speak but we're just in the middle of something uh, where people want to control the information. So it's just, yeah, that that's where the 5G comes in, I think, Paul. And, and I think that's why on, on a surveillance standpoint, I'm, I'm very concerned about that. Uh, because if, if such a system were to be used, I want it to be, uh, I, I want the data... To, to not be sold against my will, I think I think it's extremely dangerous to give a few individuals the power to uh, have this data and do whatever they want. You never know when it's gonna come come back to you. 
this conversation this conversation could come back to me <laughs> no, well yeah it, it, it could and and <laughs> and i've had conversations with with uh friends of mine that are big podcasters and said why are you not talking about all this manipulation of the public and the dangerous propaganda on vaccines and 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 all the now myriads of documentaries even showing medical doctors who have looked into the dangers of vaccines and their own kids have been killed or become epileptic or all sorts of stuff that they track right to the back to the vaccines and were dead shocked at how much manipulation of the truth was in their medical training and until they actually had a reason to start investigating it and realized they'd been played as a sucker the whole time. Hi, everybody. I'm not sure how familiar you are with minerals and trace minerals, but minerals are important to our body for many, many functions, and minerals and trace minerals also help regulate our hormonal system. And one of the products that I've been using for many years is Shilajay Minerals, but when I got a hold of Shervin's Shilajay from Symbiotica, it was a total notch above anything I've ever tried. So I've got Shervin here to tell us what's special about his Shilajay and how to use it. You know, Sheila Jeet is, uh, you can pronounce it any way you want. I like Sheila Jeet. It makes me want to dance a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the actual product makes me want to dance. Good. I take it on the rise. You know, it's at the center point of Ayurveda. It's, you know, a collection of fulvic minerals, soil, decomposition of plant material. So you're getting all the minerals and it, you're getting it the way Mother Earth provided it and the right. way we can absorb it. And so the way I look at that, it's instant energy and it reduces acidosis across the body. So if you want to reduce and chelate acids out of the body, Shilajit is pretty much the answer and the solution to that. And, you know, it's probably our best seller right now. Everybody's, you know, doing rituals with it on the rise and they're using it throughout the day. It makes for a really good, you know, tonic. It's delicious. Once your body starts getting acclimated to it, the flavor starts to kick in. And, you know, if you're a coffee drinker, if you're a matcha drinker, if you're a tea drinker, this is a really good balancer to keep your body nourished of what you need. Because most people drinking coffee, they're pouring acids and already onto an already acidic body. This is a good way to balance that out through the minerals. And if you're not eating certified organic food from good soils, you're eating mineral deficient food. And the minerals in Shilajay are very important for our skin, our nails, and our hair, which a lot of people have problems with. So I think this is a great product across the board for anybody. And our jing, right? So we are mineral deficient. Our foods have been dilapidated, right? Like Franken foods, right? Shilajit is mineralizing you to the blood, to the bone. And if you're a man, you're really going to feel it. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, good. I'm sure the (laughs) women will like that. So um, get your jing with your Shilajay. And Jing, you know, that means your, your juice, your life force, boys. And uh, the nice thing about Shili Jay is it does not take much at all. No. Uh, a serving is tiny. It's very potent stuff. So it's not like you have to use a lot. It'll last you for quite a while. So go to Symbiotica, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. And on checkout to get your 15% discount, use the code CHECK15, all caps, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15 and remember, check out all their other products because your discount works right across the board. Enjoy. A couple of things I wanted to put in into this discussion. One, when you look at the pandemic and all the bogus numbers on the deaths, I was you mentioned trans fats. Years ago when I was doing research to write my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, I came across a research paper, a scientific research paper, 
that looked at how many people a year died of trans fatty acids. And that was before they were illegal. This paper was saying they needed to be taken out of food. How many people a year do you think this research paper identified as dying from ingestion of trans fatty acids? <laughs> Jeez, I, I, I think I saw the, the statistic. I'm going to guess 60,000 per year in the U.S. You're close, 68,000. There you go. Okay, that's what I recall. Yeah, my God. Only thirty, only 31,000 a year were dying from AIDS at the time, and it was considered to be a serious epidemic. <sighs> but all the while, over twice as many people are dying from eating junk food and nobody's saying a damn word about it right except a few researchers and people like me that talk about these things the other thing that i i think is is a a bit of a concern in the pandemic it showed that bill gates has purchased and is launching over a hundred satellites with for the 5g technology Am, am i missing something here it's more than it's more than that. Yeah, the five G satellites. It, it's another angle. If you want to go into that, it's uh, it's interesting. I did the well. I'm doing an episode. It's going to come out later on my podcast about the everything that's happening with the satellites. But quickly, it's it's several organizations that are launching satellite technology. the the first The first leader is is Elon Musk with his project uh, SpaceX and his uh, constellation that is uh, that is called the uh, I I don't remember it. Uh, it's SpaceX and the in something uh, Starlink that is Starlink constellation, and he, he has uh, it's in the thousands and thousands. It is his grand plan is forty two thousand satellites just for SpaceX. Uh, there are several other companies. There's like OneWeb, uh, forty eight thousand. The the applied for forty eight thousand satellites. Amazon three thousand. Samsung around five thousand. And others, including Bill Gates, and I don't know if he's uh, involved with Amazon, Samsung, or OneWeb. I couldn't tell, but there are several other companies that are going to emerge. And this is another angle of of the five G problem: is five G from from space? You can call it global internet or internet from space. And it's it's something I, I had dipped into a little bit, of course, um, in, in the last years. But lately, I've been uh, educating myself on it, and. It, it's just I, you know, there's good indications it will not go through, or there's a lot of um, opposition to to the to the plan. Uh, but at the same time, I've been <laughs> I've been deceived in the past, thinking no, no, people are going to be against it and it's not going to pass. So I don't know. I'm very prudent about it, but basically, the so so far in the world before 2020, before SpaceX has launched their first. Uh, 100 satellites here that are already in use at the moment they've been around a hundred and something satellites that were giving global internet a cellular service and uh, in certain situations you also have access to data so that's about a hundred satellites but the plan is to add in the tens of thousands of satellites in the sky from these different companies and the goal of spacex i mean what is their goal i Certain scientists that I'm I'm um, colleagues with say they just don't know. They just don't know that their satellites are probably will harm the planet. Who knows, really? I, I like to think that. I think I'm probably a little bit young and naive in the, in that sense. Do they really not know that it's a really bad idea? Considering that what we have so far on EMFs tells us it's a class 2B carcinogen. It will probably be reclassified higher up, and the WHO is looking at it for what it's worth. 
Uh, the it, WHO? <laughs> well, for what for what it's worth, that's, as I, that, as I that's, told you, that's that's the that's the devil in the church right there. Well, exactly, and even the WHO says it's bad. So imagine, right? So it, it's for for what it's worth, the international the international gathering of scientists. Basically, if you take the best scientists in the world, what do they say about five G? Well, it's overwhelm, uh, overwhelmingly negative what they say about 5G, aside from maybe the, the few scientists that are sponsored by industry uh, that uh, are part of uh, a group called ICNERP. And it's basically just people who self, it's, it, they vote for what members can be in that group and they set EMF standards for the almost the entire world. And ICNERP is basically people influenced by the industry and the group stays the same through the ages. And they say EMFs, do nothing. Everything is safe, right? So that's that group. Aside that's from, what they say about every drug and every technology. Well, oh, exactly. You know, so it, and it's a heavily microwave ovens. The same shit. Hans Hertel was the first one to publish scientific research on the actual effects of microwaves. The Russians had done research because they confiscated German tanks that had microwave ovens in them, and they'd never seen this technology before. And when they investigated it scientifically. They found that it was so dangerous, they, they made it a rule, you cannot be within a thousand feet of a microwave, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and when Hans Hertel tried to publish his research showing white blood cell reactions to any microwave food and how the immune system would immediately attack it as a pathogen, the Swedish government put a gag order on him and said, if you publish that article, you're going to go to jail. And he did it anyhow. He said, screw you. People need to know the truth about this. So we have a long, long history of people telling the truth, getting locked up and put away because corporate interests are uh, more powerful than, than uh, government constitutions. In fact, I tell people we don't have a government. We have corporate headquarters around the world. There's no such thing as a democracy anymore. And Google and Facebook and these large companies are absolute evidence of that. Um, one of the couple of things I wanted to point out here, I saw, I was doing some, uh, just scouting around, reading some different journals and things. And one day, uh, several years ago, I came across a very interesting article. If I remember right, the title was space junk exclamation mark. And in the article, they said that we right now have so many disabled satellites floating around the orbit of the earth that there's a very real risk that some of these things can be can come out of orbit and crash to the earth and kill people. And they showed pictures of sections of space where there was just like pieces of satellites and space junk floating all around in the orbit of our mm -hmm. planet, not far out. So the question is, what's going to happen when we have thousands of these damn things in there <laughs> and their power sources run out and these things start crashing down to the freaking planet? Yeah. People aren't thinking about this. I mean, we, we have a, a mountain of junk and garbage in the Pacific Ocean the size of the state of Texas, but people don't even think about it or give a shit about it or pay any attention to this kind of stuff. And only now are we starting to realize we have to be careful with plastics. And then you have another very shocking fact, and I've actually read scientists themselves saying this, and basically what they say is that scientists are considered the modern prostitutes of the world I know in the in the uh, chemical industry, in the um, industry of of making pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and rodenticides, it's shown. I saw a statistical analysis: seventy five percent of all the scientists in the world working in the field of 
biological chemicals for controlling plant pests are on the payroll of major corporations <laughs> making the pesticides. So we now have such massive problems with what we call scientists being hinged to having to get an outcome or they lose a paycheck that we don't really have authentic science. And I discussed this with Irvin Laszlo on my podcast, and he made a very important point. He said, well, Paul, I don't agree. A scientist is always in pursuit of the truth, or they're not a scientist. But many of the people that are writing research papers and articles that are being presented as scientists are not scientists. They're technologists working for large corporations, and their job is to get people to buy the products no matter what, and they are not scientists. So we've also got this very, very clouded issue of who is a scientist and who is a technologist, who is a scientist being paid for somebody that has a profit agenda tied to the outcome of a research paper mm -hmm. and who isn't. And when you look at the long history, not only in the United States, around the world, but the scientific establishment controlling very carefully what scientists can do research on, it's pretty shocking. For example, in my research into consciousness studies, one of the things that's come up several times is that almost nobody ever can get a doctoral thesis or a master's thesis approved by any major scientific establishment who's trying to do produce evidence that goes against Bible cosmology. So if you're looking oh. to demonstrate what God is or what consciousness is, and your suggested findings are going to go against Bible cosmology, then you cannot get funding. And so these scientists doing this kind of research, such as parapsychological research and things like that, often have to go to places like Grenada and third world countries to do their research which then makes it hard because even though the research is valid, the scientists that are limiting all that information to keep their agenda going discredit them by saying, well, this guy got his degree in Grenada, no wonder. So we, we have some serious problems of freedom going on. That's the thing that concerns me more than all of it. When the pandemic thing started, as soon as I started hearing news about this, I looked right at both of the girls and said, this is the biggest scam since the First and Second World War. We have a serious problem on our hands, and I'm not concerned at all about the virus, because we haven't even talked about the fact that this is all based on the idea that a virus is an organism that infects people, when viruses, in fact, are dead organisms, and as Bruce Lipton beautifully pointed out, and Zach Bush and many other doctors, including Rudolf Steiner, all the way back in the early 1900s, explained that viruses are information packages that inform organisms about what's going on in the environment. And if the environment is starting to get sick or be destroyed, the dying organisms release viruses into the environment to inform all the living organisms how to upregulate or alter their DNA which is an epigenetic influences so that the increase in the likelihood of survival for the other organisms goes up. But this whole thing is based on the whole germ theory concept, and it's based on viruses as a living organism that somehow attacks you. But the reality of it is that a lot of the people that are so-called dying from a virus are dying because they don't have enough biological life force energy or nutrition or reserves on board to make the adaptation that the virus is informing their cells it has to make to survive.
Mm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's a, the the way you put it is is extreme. Wow, that's the first time I I don't know something clicked for me. <laughs> I've seen I've 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 watched a, a very good uh, presentation by a guy with a degree in a master of he's a I think he's a, a PhD and he's got a degree in virology, a four year degree in virology, and he went totally into the breaking down what a virus is and why mm. all this stuff is completely misleading and that people are being uh, convinced to believe that the virus is what's killing them, which is based on the germ theory, which has been proven not to be true over and over again. Yet here we are washing hands and wearing masks on an outdated theory. It has nothing to do with, with it's all about the terrain. And what have we just discussed the people that die were elderly people that already had multiple complications, which means they have a sick biological terrain. So you start looking at how many scientists are on the payrolls of major corporations with an agenda to make tons of money off this, a lot of them. Who's got the money to manipulate the media? The large corporations that stand to make the most money on this. Are they working together? Yes, documents from around the world shows that there's an integrated plan going on that goes right to the top. You know, so for me, what's very, very concerning is that we no longer have a democracy. We are losing our freedom of speech. We all should have the right to watch and listen to anything. And People don't realize this has been going on for a very long time. When I studied brainwashing, I found a very good book, which I probably still have in my library, that showed conclusively that the Catholic Church had mastered brainwashing by the 8th century AD and have been perfecting it ever since. We have much deeper issues here that are happening right beneath our noses, and every time there's been a major distraction, there's been all sorts of laws passed from 911 onward to now that people don't even know are going on and they're being pushed through legislation such as Donald Trump giving away all of our nature reserves to large oil corporations and these types of things, which only the only people that seem to be watching this are the native people that stand to lose reservations and have a connection to the earth. And the, many of the groups that I'm involved in are actually tied to native groups that are protecting our natural resources because nobody else seems to give a shit because they're too trapped in the world of ideas and illusions and fantasies, which are, as we discussed in your podcast, being used to program people's minds mm -hmm. so that there's more and more of that. I'm only interested in the truth. I'm happy to be wrong about vaccines. I'm happy to be wrong about 5G. I'm happy to be wrong about all this stuff, but I, I need to know that the research is being done by people that are not connected financially to the outcome, that are legitimate scientists, that have a track record of producing legitimate science, and that's what real science is. We know damn well that the instant a scientist has a stake in the outcome, quantum physics tells us the instant that a scientist has an idea in their mind about what the outcome needs to be, they've already collapsed the wave function to produce that exact result. And it's undeniable. They showed it with double slit experiments. So if you don't have objective science being done, you don't have anything but lies mani and manipulation. And there's one thing I wanted to share. There's a, we, we were on vacation, I think not last year, but the year before we went on a cruise 
which started in Vancouver, British Columbia, then went all the way up, way up in Alaska to as far as we could go. We were right up against the walls of ice and the glaciers. We were in this little tiny town of like 2,300 people. And we're way the hell up in the mountains. I mean, this is like hard Alaska, right? Yeah. So we decided to rent a helicopter to take us up to this great big crater, like a huge crater, like an asteroid hit, where they often fly people in there and they do rock concerts. I mean, this thing, this crater is big. You, you, you know, it was, you know, you could put a football stadium inside this thing. So Penny was going for a hike with Mana and I was going down into the crater. And I got down to the bottom of this crater and I thought, damn, I wonder if we get separated, if I'll be able to reach these guys. Nick, I'm, I had to fly from town in a helicopter for about 15 minutes to get to this crater that's, you know, like five, 6,000 feet up in a mountain. I pulled my phone out while I'm standing in the bottom of the crater. And I about shit myself when I looked at my phone. Guess what I saw when I looked? It was Seaward, Alaska. Penny just showed me a note. Seaward, Alaska. You, you had signal? <laughs> uh, Nick, I had full bars. And it said 5G. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm in a podunk little town in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And I'm in the bottom of a crater surrounded by stone. And I've got full reception and 5G. It means those signals are going through that mountain like it wasn't even there. My first question is, what the hell is all that radiation doing to every living organism out here, including all the people that live here? So that's a question I want to ask you because based on what everything I've heard you say and about how those frequencies increase the heat in the body... You have to say what's going to happen when you're making the water molecules of the atmosphere dance at that frequency. Well, because that's what exactly. a microwave oven does. Yeah, and and the effects. I mean, it's 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 not good uh, when you when you talk about let's say going back to satellites from space. One of the big concerns from a few um, few people that are thinking about these issues is what is it going to do with the balance of electricity in the ionosphere. And what is what is this going to do with the natural frequencies that all of biology thrives on? And the the truth is that we already know that our use of electricity has already tempered with the ionosphere to to some extent. Uh, for example, um, Roberto Becker, right, body electric, and uh, one of the he, he should probably have won three Nobels, I think, from his his contribution. And uh, in 95, you warned that the, uh, the power line harmonic radiation, so, so in other words, kind of the, the dirty electricity that is created by our use of power lines and that electricity running through the earth had already changed the structure of the magnetosphere. So he said that there's already man-made changes to the electrical grid that's naturally around the planet and that this effect can impact Everything, just like when you tamper with sunlight, the the way that unfortunately, I and another thing about Bill Gates, he wants to block the sunlight to uh, to reduce cancer. He's already trying to do it. Yeah, I've yeah. There, there's a project. The there's a I project. Mean, how, <laughs> That's you know, just to show you how. F- excuse me, everybody. How fucking ridiculous this shit is. 
I saw an article actually published in the mainstream media. My wife showed it to me, Penny. You know, we are, Rudolf Steiner said a long time ago in the early 1900s, there's two things human life depends on, bees and trees. And if either of them reaches a critically low level, life on this planet will cease to exist as we know it, which meant you human beings. And we are now at a very, very dangerous low level of trees and bees. Both the bee population is right on the edge of extinction. We're running out of trees. We've cutting down something like two million acres of the rainforest a day, all for corporate interest. Well, just let me tell you what I'm driving at here. This article was a proposal by a nanotechnology company to make billions of robot bees to release into the environment to pollinate. Okay, I'm looking at this going, are you guys absolutely that smart that you're that stupid? Why would you want to make billions of robots that'll all be powered by electrical sources, probably controlled by electromagnetic waves, when really the solution is save the fucking bees, <laughs> dumb shit. They're part of nature. Our life depends on them. We have got to smarten up and look at what it is that supports life on this planet. And we can't keep coming up with dropping aluminum in the atmosphere to block the sun when it's clearly there's a technological connection to fossil fuels and the ways we're generating heat on the earth. I don't believe that's the only thing because I've seen reports from NASA that all the planets in our solar system are showing significant increases of heat due to the activity of the sun. So I'm, I don't want people to think, oh, Paul's just a, a greenhouse gas nutcase. I look at all the data and I say we've got multiple issues that are very real. There's things going on in the solar system that are heating the planet up that are beyond our control. But at the same time, we can add insult to injury by being uh, profit driven and and immoral. And that's the other problem with science. There's There's a serious lack of morality. Scientists have verified every single drug that ever have to be taken off the market. They've verified every single vaccination that turned out to be dangerous and cause cancer and kill people and all this other stuff. We don't have morality in science. And when, when, when Descartes' era separated science and, and the church, we could say we separated um, science from morality. And a moral is any principle that supports life. So when you put all this stuff together, there's something else that most people aren't thinking about on this 5G deal. If you study crystal technology and you look at the writings of people like Rudolf Steiner and others and even native cultures about what the functions of the crystals, a huge percentage of the Earth's mass is crystals. Are you aware of that? Yeah. Okay, so we have massive, massive. I've seen pictures of these things. My brother is a caving expert and a mountaineering expert. And I've also seen pictures just scanning the inter internet looking for this information. But there's, you know, 200 ton crystals have been seen under the earth in caves. Well, when you look at what a crystal does, it picks up cosmic information and amplifies it. That's why we use crystals as tuners and radios. Crystals are piezoelectric devices. 
that are very sensitive to wide ranges of energetic frequencies. So when we're moving through space, we're actually picking up energy and information from all the planets and all the stars whose light and energy is reaching us here, which goes into the internal network of the Earth's crystalline structure and is amplified to the surface. And Steiner, for example, described how that's how the formative forces that govern plants and the growth of all life and the creation of forms happens. We are in a cosmic sea of information and the earth actually takes this information into its body, amplifies it and projects it out. So my point is when you look at that technology that's built into the planet and we know that the pyramids do the same thing, they adjust frequencies. There's lots of research on that. My question is what happens when you start running thousands of satellites with 5G who are beaming these frequencies into the earth. Now you've got to consider something very different. You don't just consider the effects of the 5G waves on the ionosphere, on the atmosphere, on people's biological tissues, but you have to say what's happening when the earth starts amplifying those frequencies itself. Exactly. And this is one of the, I would say the main concern from Arthur Furstenberg's, uh, who, who is the um, the main scientist who's been warning about satellites since the 80s of all things, because he's extremely uh, electro hypersensitive himself, but also connected with individuals that are electrosensitive. And, you know, what happened is that through the 90s, when the first uh, satellite phones became operational, he did surveys uh, to other to people all around the world with other organizations, and they found that the vast majority of people who already know they're electrically sensitive, let's say more attuned to these uh, energies than most people, had a bunch of symptoms for a few days as their body tried to adapt to this new uh, injury that was around. But this happened also in, uh, in 2000, 2001, multiple times as more and more satellites became online. And what he's, he's especially concerned about is that he, he doesn't think it's the satellites himself. He thinks that this is more the changes in the ionosphere or even the changes. I've, I saw a lot of things in the last years about changes in Schumann resonance and, and what, what, what is happening with uh, our, our planet's magnetism. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's, if, if man-made technologies are, are to be blamed for these disruptions. I, I don't know that, but there, there's there's probably um, things that that are that are impacting the Schumann resonance and impacting the whole ionosphere. So that's more concerning than the radiation coming from the satellites themselves is the global effects. Because in the end, if we pollute the ionosphere, it, it's it's one of the easiest way to pollute the entire planet, as if you could uh, have a, a single factory. Uh, who who has the 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 ability to pollute all the air on the freaking planet at once? Because if you have forty two thousand satellites, you can cover the globe. And who knows? At one point, is the ionosphere uh, changing changed enough by man made activity that we we see all sorts of crazy stuff happening? As if what we have so far isn't bad enough. So the, the, the good news, though, there's actually good news in this conversation, Paul. Uh, if, we, if you want to talk about the good news, uh, is that the pushback is quite substantial against the satellites. So 
that's um, if you want to get into that, there's there's a group Five um, G Crisis uh, by Americans of um, for Responsible Technology, and uh, Doug Wood, the organizer, organized a, a call between different different people, including an attorney uh, called uh, Julian Gresser, and I'm trying to get him on my podcast, but he's someone putting together a group of attorneys and. Uh, different experts from different expertise. There are astronomers in there that are against this project because uh, already we're seeing so much light pollution that astronomy becomes difficult. There are also astronomers that are experts in space junk, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, that say it could be a disaster and we have no idea of what we're doing with those. Uh, There are experts in, of course, like Furstenberg and... um, uh, hundreds of EMF scientists that say this is nonsensical since if we apply the precautionary principle, we should be aiming to reduce the amount of electropollution on Earth from all sources. And we're doing the exact opposite with 5G as a whole. And 5G from the space is just this technocratic uh, uh, wet dream that we we don't need right now. It's just, I think it's just Elon Musk and other technocrats having fun because it's feasible. Like, hey, we're going to send satellites in space. It's going to be cool. It's almost a a teenager dream of, of, of technology and how the future should be has nothing to do with what we need on the planet right now. So there's all these all these experts together, even experts in the environmental uh, on the environmental standpoint, talk about ozone depletion because just sending these satellites in space. I found a 2010 study by Ross and Al, and they say, uh, well, 2010 is the first time they actually modeled how much these particles emitted by rockets, which are required to shoot these satellites in space, how much will it impact the ozone layer? And they said, well, it could be comparable to the present-day global aviation. My God, this is serious. Like, and we're, and no one is talking about it, of course. We're going to add a second global aviation to whatever we're doing to the atmosphere, which is completely crazy. We don't need that. And that's, that's the opposite of what most countries, in fact, want to do, trying to lower their emissions of pollutants. And yeah, there, there are a lot of things that are wrong in, in, in my mind about how we're fighting climate change and we're doing carbon taxes and all this. But as a whole, if the message is, Let's stop polluting the damn planet. I think this is good. I think that each, if each factory is a zero waste factory, we're getting somewhere as far as sustainability on this planet. But again, that entire project of satellites is the opposite. It's the opposite on all levels is bad. So because of that, there's at the moment, there's a massive uh, lawsuit that's being built and an organization called Healthy Heavens Trust Initiative. And I can send you the links afterwards if people want to donate. They're trying to get more money for their cause. And I'm trying to get Julian Gresser on my podcast. He's one of the organizers or members of this organization. And he's an attorney. And he simply says, you know what? The FCC and Elon Musk and everyone involved, including Bill Gates, eventually wants to launch his own satellites in space and have fun. They have no jurisdiction over space. And they literally, they're breaching every international law out there. So I don't know how it's going to pass. 
um, I hope that I'm right and that uh, through the legality or the illegality of this entire project, we can stop it in its tracks and apply the precautionary principle and just say, guys, it's uh, you're you're crazy. We don't need that. And and that's my hope. At least my conclusion so far that is that we have a lot of weapons against these technocrats just to say, well, it, it's illegal. It's illegal. You're creating light pollution, space junk. You're harming the planet. And then uh, who knows what is doing to the planet ionosphere as a whole. So that's, I guess, the, the good conclusion is that I think they're in deep trouble if enough people talk about these issues, sign the petitions, uh, uh, or, or promote these groups like Healthy Heavens uh, Trust Initiative, or the 5G Space Appeal also, which is the, a big appeal that has been uh, put forth by uh, Archer Furstenberg and uh, other organizations, signed by 300,000 people so far. It's uh, pretty good, from two, uh, 220 nations. That's the largest uh, petition, if you will, that has been signed worldwide around EMFs. And uh, that's specifically ar- against 5G from space. There's a couple of points I want to bring up here. One, in my experience looking into a lot of these issues that you're talking about and all the things we've been talking about, usually it's independent scientists doing honest research, often funding their own research that come up with the awareness, oh, by the way, you guys, all this space junk is dangerous. All this electromagnetic pollution is dangerous. So the paradox is it's actually the real scientists that turn out to be the ones that come and warn us of what the corporations don't want us to know about and oftentimes get rid of defame, discredit, or in some cases execute the people that are telling us the truth. So that should be a concern for people right off the bat. The other thing that concerns me very deeply is how is it that a guy like Bill Gates can just decide he's going to fill our atmosphere with aluminum and other chemicals to block the sunlight without it becoming a major, major issue in governments worldwide, especially because the jet stream, it doesn't matter if he does that over the state of California, he's polluting the entire world. That stuff will go in the jet stream and be right around the world, just like nuclear radiation and all the other shit we've seen happen over time. How does Bill Gates impose vaccinations on people and get people to be forced to be test and actually take the role that would be normally only reserved for a medical doctor or doctors of very high power? That's a concern to me. How is it that Bill Gates decides what the media is or isn't going to say and what is and isn't journalism and what is and isn't uh, freedom of speech? We have some very serious problems right now that people need to get out from underneath their iPhone and start using that thing to do some real honest research because even with all the screening going on, there's still plenty of eye-opening information to be found. And there's countless podcasts and video blogs by very credible people like Zach Bush and many others that have the degrees and have the credibility to make their message worth listening to. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is what is the, I've heard discussions of the effects of 5G on oxygen in the atmosphere, that it uh, is somehow altering oxygen molecules. Are you up on that? 
Yeah, I've I've seen the research. It's true that at 60 gigahertz, that's one, you know, when people say that, they're talking about uh, the higher frequencies that 5G uh, can use. And, and that's the thing. 5G as a whole uses multiple sets of frequencies. I'm, I'm concerned about all of that for different reasons. Uh, the The lower frequencies that they're using are pretty much like your cell phone uses at the moment. However, they're more or potentially more disruptive to human beings and all of nature because the the, the signals are more engineered and tempered with uh, for better co- connectivity than past technologies. And that's something a lot of people have a, a hard time grasping is that when it comes to EMFs or electropollution, it's not necessarily the intensity of the electropollution that's the problem. Imagine in air pollution, it would be the, the amount of uh, parts per million in the air of a certain pollutant. It's not necessarily that the more of the pollutant is there, the bigger the damage. It's in fact, it's not the intensity, it's the signal characteristics that matter even more. And that's something that even in the EMF world, even some EMF scientists are not necessarily up to date to that, especially industry-funded science because uh, over and over again, there's there's a good study by uh, Dimitri Panagopoulos, and he's he's an incredible researcher. Or maybe, uh, maybe I I think it's a woman. Sorry if <laughs> if it is, I I don't remember. Uh, Pan- Panagopoulos is it Dimitri? Anyway, um, not to not to butcher the entire uh, person, but the, it's a good research because uh, that study, and I gotta find it for your show notes. It, it shows that. Signal uh, EMF studies that use signal generators, a machine that is supposed to emulate a cell phone signal at a specific frequency. Imagine uh, 2 gigahertz, which is a frequency commonly used in cell phones. It's a machine that produces a signal at 2 gigahertz, and then they look at whether rats uh, have effects, uh, oxidative damage, damage damage to the testes, damage to the eyes, etc., or even in uh, humans. And these studies on signal generators mostly find uh, uh, no biological effects. So the industry says, well, look, our studies show there's no effect. Studies that use real-world devices, so a real Wi-Fi router, a real cell phone, a real Bluetooth thingy, they mostly find effects. And why is that? Well, a signal generator is a poor imitation of the real machine because a real cell phone doesn't just use a 2 gigahertz signal. It shifts between different channels. It will modulate the signal. It will pulsate. For example, a Wi-Fi router pulsates 10 times per second. And all these signal characteristics make the signal stressful. Because all these signal characteristics do do not exist in nature. In nature, you do have EMFs. Visible light is is an EMF, for example. But visible light is a smooth wave. It is an unpolarized signal. So it goes in all direction and not just one specific direction in in a very specific shape, which is what the industry is able to do with uh, 5G signal and other signals they use. So with 5G, the signal is more chaotic per unit of signal, if you will. And that's my main concern when it comes to 5G and the effects on all of biology is, is really that 
plus the fact that you're you're multiplying the the number of antennas, of course. Now, a question for you. I know, like, if you're dealing with light frequencies, you're dealing with angstroms, which is billions, billions of cycles per second. What, two gigahertz, educate me, what is that in cycles per second? I don't know what that amounts to in, like, billions or millions it's of two times billion, per second. Two billion. One gigahertz is one billion. Yeah. And um, compared, and, and, that, and that's the thing, again, we're, we're going to just go back to the 60 gigahertz. I don't want to leave people hanging about, about, about that. I want to finish my thought. Uh, 60 gigahertz, it does impact the oxygen molecule more than any other frequency. And 5G might use 60 gigahertz, but mostly the higher frequencies are going to be below that. So I think people have, have confused a lot of the different frequencies that are going to be used, but the there, there are already certain uses of the 60 gigahertz signal in um i i've seen that in uh as a sort of wi-fi hotspots if you will there's also uh y gig which was supposed to be pushed by industry as an a faster alternative to wi-fi but right now it doesn't seem to be very lucrative and i i don't know if it's going to be a new standard because again 60 gigahertz is super fast but it can lose connectivity if you're not line of sight so it could be used in uh, the way that 5G millimeter waves is used in stadiums, for example, you go watch a football game and then you're blasted, but you can, uh, I don't know, retweet and do whatever while you're watching the game and enjoying your hot dogs. So that's an example of use that's line of sight and people can can use it. But in other situations, in, in, in buildings, it would be difficult to... To, to adopt. But people really jumped, I think, on the 60 gigahertz thing because uh, it could lead to oxygen depletion in humans. Um, I, I think it's, it's speculative, but I think it's interesting as a link. And I've seen some research talk about millimeter waves and the effect on uh, how it, it could cause respiratory symptoms. It makes sense that it could at these frequencies. But I, I think that as a whole, this year, people have been too focused on 5G, to be quite honest. My work, uh, because I, I, I come from another angle, I, I've been studying this since 2015 and a little bit prior to that. I wrote my book in 16 and 17, and 5G wasn't in the news, but EMS were a big concern. They've been a concern since the 90s, since the 80s, the first cell phones, the first research showing uh, it could lead to cancer in humans and to uh, the first indications that maybe it caused tumors in, in people working at Nokia and whatnot, and the lawsuits that followed. It's already It's been a concern for... 30 to 40 years. So let's not forget that all sources of electropollution are potential threats to human life and to all biology. Because even if we stop 5G, in my mind, we're still in deep trouble because we have to start looking at uh, how can we make, how can we stop using wireless so damn much and how can we install more wired everywhere? Uh, not rely on wireless for all these uses, especially uses that are extremely data intensive, like giving users the possibility of connecting to, I don't know, eventually we might have a 5G antenna per subway train, who knows, and people are going to get blasted, but for what? To look 
to look at random funny videos. And so the, the average user doesn't need to use their cell phone in that situation, but it's just convenience and it's just user demand for more and more entertainment. So it's really, it's, it's, uh, the industry gives it to user and then user tells the industry, I want more. And then the industry does more. So it's really why we're pushing this technology forward. So it's an important point to say that yes, 60 gigahertz and higher millimeter waves and 5G, it's a concern. But at the same time, uh, I see a lot of people being extremely concerned about 5G, but they're using Wi-Fi all the time. Maybe their Wi-Fi router is near their, be- their bedroom or even in their bedroom, and they don't even think about these things. So that's why my work has evolved a little bit uh, this year since I I, I started um, a, new, a new course with uh, EMF mitigation specialist Brian Hoyer, who's really one of the best in, in North America. I really recognize in what he does. He's been featured uh, by Dr. Mercola in multiple interviews, and he's he's done uh, <laughs> EMF mitigation at unfortunately at some some uh, very high profile Hollywood people. I cannot mention because it's he, he told me that in private. I gotta ask him who I can reveal. It's it's very cool that some very um, uh, wealthy individuals are in fact super interested in protecting their own health against EMFs because they can. And because they're kind of trying to optimize their health, but sometimes they cannot talk about it because it's um, it would put them in a corner, maybe of fringe practices. If you're uh, if you're um, worried about electro pollution, it makes you a, a weird person and maybe even a conspiracy theorist because of the whole charge of five G this year, of course. So I, it, it's just we I, I'm trying to bring back the conversation that. You know, 5G is going to add on top of the electropollution. And then there's a lot of concerns. We've talked about surveillance. That's, of course, that's way more dangerous. 5G is way more important when it comes to surveillance than past technologies because of the amount, the sheer amount of towers, the the fast download speeds, and the sensors of the Internet of Things. So it's, it's going to make matters much worse as far as surveillance goes. As far as electropollution goes, yes, it's going to increase the levels tremendously. We should be doing the opposite. But on the individual standpoint, we all need to take responsibility for use of this electropollution. And and that's hard because I feel we're, we're it's kind of talking about... Um, smoking in 1921 it's like what are you talking about right it's 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 a very unpopular thing to do it's uh to to talk about well you should stop using your cell phone so much because it 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 impacts your your biology like these emfs and some people will respond to that. I know most of your listeners do, but a lot of people are still close-minded towards the these effects because it's convenient to stay close-minded. I don't have That's to change exactly my the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, a couple of things come uh, into my mind. I wanted to uh, mention one is one of the theories I've read from uh, scientists looking into why the bees are dying out so fast is that they find that the uh, electromagnetic pollution may be actually disrupting the navigation systems that bees and other insects use. It's literally confusing them. Um, so we, we, we don't really have a lot of science on what the impact is on insects and birds. You know, birds and even humans have been shown to have magnetite crystals in their brain, which senses the magnetic field of the earth. And that's how 
birds navigate by navigating the magnetic field. But when you start disrupting the electric field, you're disrupting the magnetic field and vice versa. So we're actually, we are actually imposing changes on every living creature on this planet without asking their permission. And they have just as much right to live as we do. And if you look at what's called the great chain of being, human beings are quick to forget that our very existence depends on every living creature from the smallest bacteria, virus, and fungi to the insects, the salamanders, the slippery, the slimy. Every living creature on this planet plays a part in the role of the fabric of life. But we've gotten so full of ourselves that we think we can just keep doing this shit without paying any attention to how it affects the life force network of the matrix of nature that supports us and is built on far more advanced technology that's billions of years old that we tend to not look into except for the uh, you know, a few scientists and people like Steiner that that really did devote their lives to looking into how does the earth actually function in a cosmic context. But we we think just because food shows up in the supermarket that it's always going to be there. Um, you know, this is why I cited Jamie Oliver earlier. 50% of the kids on the planet today don't even know common fruits, vegetables, and farm animals what what are we going to do when we collapse nature and there is no more fruits vegetables and farm animals and then what we're going to have is 5g phone systems where we can watch each other die in high definition <laughs> yeah well you know as far as nature goes there's there's a few things i, I was just looking at my notes about an episode i i gave uh an interview i gave to ben greenfield and it's been a uh, two years and a half wow it's <laughs> the beginning of 2018 but there's one report that is called uh trends in uh let me see here trends in ecology and evolution uh 2018 horizon scan of emerging issues for global conservation and biological diversity it's a multi-disciplinary group of i see about 20 25 scientists and they basically identified that one of the 15 most concerning emerging trends that was in, let's say, probably 2017 data is 5G when it comes to nature and the uncertainty that we have. But the little that we know, exactly as you 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 um you pointed to, the little that we know about electropollution and animals is not good at all. There's effects on bees, on insects, on migratory birds, on plants. I mean, and if you look at uh, certain uh, large studies that have uh, meta uh, meta analyses that have been trying to to see, okay, if I if we take as many papers as possible that we scour PubMed and and look at all the papers on nature, there's a 2012 Indian Review that's almost 10 years old now. That's 600 out of uh, 919 papers show effects to nature. So it's around 66% of all studies that have been published up to 2012 that did show effects on nature that were negative. So I, it's there's very solid science. And what is unfortunate is that I don't see Greenpeace all over that. I don't, I don't see uh, WWF or these large environmentalist groups uh, really being on board uh, on the fight against 5G. I'm wondering if they 
their their financing doesn't come from uh from uh from telecoms or something like that i i don't know why they're not talking about it because it's a huge uh rising concern the effects of electropollution on nature and just one thing you mentioned you talked about bacteria and all living things one of the most concerning a single study or set of studies by uh, 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 a group called the Tahiri Group in uh, 2000, I think it's the first study he did in is it, it probably 16, but it's, it's very, very recent, showed that certain strain of E. coli that are known to be problematic in hospitals become more antibiotic resistant when exposed to Wi-Fi. And this is uh, Jole Johansson, who's one of my collaborators and uh, one of the greatest EMF scientists alive at the moment, 650 papers uh, peer-reviewed published uh, in his uh, 45-year career, says- The guy must never stop writing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, he's retired and he's more active. He's, he's trying to uh, make changes on the pa- uh, parliament level in, in many European countries at the moment, and he's succeeding. So he's, he's really a fighter and a, a great man, a great inspiring man. He says it's one of the most concerning things be- since antibiotic resistance is a killer in the European Union, and they think it's going to kill in the hundreds of thousands in the next decades because it's a it's a rising problem again. And who dies from antibiotic resistance? Going back to the COVID discussion, people sick people sick people in hospitals with comorbidities, especially the elderly. So it's we're we're tampering with nature. We simply have no idea what we're doing as 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 mankind playing with signals and no idea what it's doing to certain strain of bacteria and no idea. And the the scientific indications we have from independent scientists with no agenda is well, we're probably in trouble. We should urgently change the way we use these signals. So what does that mean for you listening to this? It means if you Turn off your Wi-Fi at night to get started with. You're doing something great. You're doing something You'll great. You'll sleep better. You'll sleep better. Your family will sleep better. If you're uh, it, like me in in, a, in an apartment building, your neighbors might sleep better, even if they don't turn off their own. At least you're contributing to reducing this electropollution. And this is one of the angles I'm coming at, Paul, from now in my education and what I'm trying to do with my work is really that through now our new course, Electropollution Fix, is, well, yes, become an activist for 5G, have these hard discussions, get people on board and, and inform them about these global issues, fight against satellites for sure. But at the same time, on an individual standpoint, we each need to change our use and reliance and addiction to wireless as a whole. And the sooner we each do it, the more industry in response will start selling stuff that's safer. So that's that's a bit of a catch-22. But in the end, if we, we vote with our dollars, that's something you talk about extensively on your podcast when it comes to organic food. If everyone started just buying organic tomorrow morning, well, first, the organic foods... W- <laughs> it, the entire market would crash. I mean, the, the 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 grocery stores would be empty of organic foods in two minutes because it would be too popular. But eventually, the industry would produce only organic foods. Um, so it's it's the same thing with 
safe technologies, some people kind of have the wishful thinking of, well, uh, just come up with a safe cell phone and I'll buy one and then I'll, I'll use it, whatever. But no, it takes individual responsibility, changing your habits and reducing your use and then learning what safe alternatives there are, uh, th- th- there are available to you. Uh, Nick, I'm curious, did you listen to my podcast with Dr. Ibrahim Kareem and his daughter Doria on biogeometry? Yes, and I just uh, interviewed him uh, two weeks ago. Oh, fantastic, because I think that's a viable solution for a lot of these problems, at least something that is definitely effective and has been demonstrated with cell phone towers and entire cities. So I think we should all be aware of biogeometry. If you have not listened to my podcast with Dr. Ibrahim Kareem, it is one of the best podcasts and the deepest and most profound podcasts I've ever done. And it's, it's, uh, the biogeometry technology works. I have it happening right here in my office, in our house. I've tested it many times and I've known many of my clients to use it with tremendous results, even people that couldn't sleep, starting to sleep, various health problems clearing up right away within as little as 24 to 48 hours. So um, I think that that message that he has and that technology um, is something we should all seriously consider. Um, One of the things I wanted to interject is that, you know, my podcast is to put as many ways of looking at a situation on the table as possible, not to tell people what they should think, but to give them the information to be able to put all the cards on the table, so to speak, so that they can actually do effective thinking. Because you can't do effective thinking if you only look at one side of an argument. That means you're in a belief system, and by definition, belief systems are closed. So if you're trapped in a belief system, it could not only kill you, but it can kill everybody else. And and if you track back all of this stuff to people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk or whatever, every one of them's acting out a belief system. And we all have to be very, very careful with belief systems because they close down the thinking function. Once you have a belief system, you're no longer thinking outside the system. Christians don't read Buddhist literature. They don't read Islamic literature. They don't read Taoist literature because it's outside their belief system. So unfortunately, they limit their perception of different ways of how other people have experienced God or life or love or spiritual truths. And they limit themselves to a very, very narrow concept, which limits human evolution. So the function of my podcast isn't to say what's right or what's wrong. Certainly I have my own opinions. Nick has his opinions. All my guests have their opinions, but those are simply their opinions. And my opinions tend to sway toward people that have demonstrated credibility with the depth of knowledge in their particular areas. I'm a generalist. I look into everything and try to find out who's got the best knowledge and what are the things I need to know to understand the basics. Because if you don't understand the basics, then you can never understand anything beyond the basics. So I'm just making this statement for all of you listening. I feel that the function of my podcast is to share information that we all need to be aware of take the opportunity to look into, and then be brave enough to say, okay, how credible are the scientists behind these different viewpoints? Who are they being paid by? 
what's happening in the world, what does the evidence show, what does my own life experience show? For example, a lot of people don't believe, believe electromagnetic pollution does anything to your health, but they're running around to doctors sick with adrenal fatigue and chronic inflammation, and all of a sudden someone tells them to shut their Wi-Fi off at night, they're sleeping better, their body starts to heal, or they get a grounding mat, and they have these miraculous things after spending a quarter of a million dollars on doctors who also said, it's a bunch of bullshit, it's not doing anything to you. So we can either wait until we're in such severe pain that our belief systems fall apart. Or we can be proactive and use the power of our minds to grow our intelligence, to contribute to a democracy, to share our thoughts, our feelings, our opinions, and our resources. And then when we are using uh, 5G to inform each other of all the data, we can actually use 5G and every other medium as a means of making intelligent decisions, which might ultimately result in us finding that someone like uh, Dr. Kareem, can you share a technology that can actually convert harmful waves into beneficial waves? And the, the thing that concerns me is the same degree of scientific acumen that's creating these things could also be applied to create the solutions. I believe that all the science and technology we have is a double-edged sword. If we're not paying attention, it can kill us. But if we use that same level of investigation and scientific prowess to say, how do we make it safe? Then we can make safe vaccinations. We can make uh, safe communication systems. We can make safe security systems. We can ultimately, I believe we have the technology right now and the intelligence on the planet amongst the human beings and, and, and many of the great minds that are being edited out so you don't get their message to actually use our technology and our awareness to make corporations morally responsible, but that requires that enough of us are informed to know when to picket, when to petition, when to share our viewpoints or our concerns. And, and, and um, how do you feel about that, Nick, yourself? I agree 100%, Paul. Uh, you know, there's some, and it really depends on, on who you talk to in the EMF activism space. Some are, I think, a little bit... Um, disillusioned or they're negative and they would say well we need to trash the cell phones and the wi-fi and whatnot and on on one point they're right these are sources of electropollution other engineers i've talked to uh such as uh, peter sullivan i just released an episode on my on my smarter tech podcast with him and he's uh he's someone highly connected one of his personal friends is uh it was part of the first team that invented the iphone just to tell you he's a silicon valley guy and he he created uh the uh, initial interface of netflix or kind of uh, how, how it acts so he, he's really been in silicon valley he's also emf sensitive he's also a fighter for better emf uh regulations he's also a philanthropist and peter sullivan says you know, we can solve this problem of making wireless systems that are orders and orders of magnitude safer. And that's, again, his opinion. Do I agree with that? I, I'm, I'm hopeful that if we apply Dr. Kareem's technology, if we apply the engineering mind instead of improving connectivity, why can't we stay uh, with very good connectivity but then reduce the biological effects 
uh, in and and do large rat studies on different signals and figure out what signals are more uh, prone to have biological effects on anything from a bacteria or a mitochondria to uh, human beings and all of nature. We can do that research. It needs to be funded. We need a lot of money and a lot of financial incentives to do so. So that's the tricky part. But I think it can be done. And uh, I've already seen in that episode with Peter Sotheven, he, he shared with me an engineering paper that was very interesting. That is a very, very large scientific paper. I'm just going through it at the moment. And it shows basically they've tried they've tried to identify, I think, what is the the initial research on safer Wi-Fi or safer wireless communications, it does identify all the signal characteristics and how much of a role they play in, uh, let's say, how much EM, how much stressful EMF is. And then it also identifies certain frequencies that are healing versus certain frequencies that are uh, negative or harmful. And that's also work that I've seen um, engineer uh, who's a colleague of mine, uh, Pavel Wipiszowski from Poland, starting to do. He's also someone looking into, let's say, electromagnetic uh, or wireless electromagnetic biocompatibility. So that's <laughs> that's a mouthful. So basically, how can we make this wireless compatible with the the natural wireless that we're exposed to as human beings, whether it's the sun, the Schumann resonance, and everything that's in, in that spectrum of EMF, including invisible and visible light? How can we make it a natural signal as much as possible to to make to 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 make it as natural as possible? And if it's not possible, we're gonna be we're gonna need to find other ways but one of the ways that could be done is to not use not use emfs but use quantum communication and that's that's a serious uh and and i was a little bit on the edge of 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 unsure what to think about quantum communication but peter selvin told me there are real companies looking at it at the moment and he could not disclose the details but he's high up in silicon valley and these projects are probably i mean they could be worth trillions if they go through and they really discover new ways to communicate without the this electropollution it could be a complete turnover revolution that can make in the trillion. So it's uh, a little bit under secrecy, these, these tech projects. But I have great hope that um, if we if we talk to, if you talk to your neighbors, you talk to everyone you know, and you say, you know what? We could have safer, like we need safer technologies. Why not like, why, why not ask of telecoms to come up with, uh, instead of 5G, it could be, uh, like, I don't know, healthy G, it, where you have cell phone towers that are low emissions uh, or cell phone towers that have been uh, with with other technologies added on top that we know are health supportive. Who knows? We can dream about these things. Uh, 40 years ago, or let's say 100 years ago, it was impossible to think about our current use of these EMFs. It was uh, it was nothing but uh, a dream. A pre- maybe Nostradamus thought about it or Steiner. I don't know if they, they envisioned the wireless communications, but you know, it can it can be done if we dream about a safer way to communicate. In the meantime, I must remind everyone that wires still exist and that if we cut down on our use of wireless, we're making great strides. So if you're home and with a computer in one place like me in this office, 
there's really no reason to be on Wi-Fi all the time. You should run Ethernet cables in your home and have your Ethernet cable connect your computer to your router. It does not have to be wireless. And connecting with an Ethernet cable is way faster and more reliable to Wi-Fi, which is why I'm able to do this call without dropouts. Because in this room, in fact, our Wi-Fi, we tried it when we first came to this condo, and uh, it's horrible. It just doesn't pick up. It doesn't run in the corridor. We would have... uh, we would need to replace the Wi-Fi with something much stronger and much more stressful. And then my kid would have been playing for years right next to the router. So we just decided to cut off on Wi-Fi when it was uh, still uh, being formed in in my wife's uh, belly. So that's a good decision we took for ourselves. And that's not necessarily something you have to do right now. But it's a step in the right direction is to at least wire your computer, for example, while we... While we advocate for safer technologies, and if these if these technologies come out that are that are way 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 safer, maybe a billion times safer, well, maybe I'm I, I don't want to stay close minded about the possibility that maybe we'll have safe Wi Fi in my lifetime. That's something I personally dream about. I just don't know how to <laughs> how to make it. Well, you happen. know, the, yeah, there's a there's a possibility with quantum computation. Um. You know, science has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that non-locality is real. Are you, are you familiar with what yes. non-locality is? Yes. So, you know, that's that's been demonstrated. Uh, scientists have done experiments where they've paired electrons and then separated them vast difference distances. And what the research shows is distance is not involved. It wouldn't matter if you took one photon to one side of the universe and the other to the other side. If you do anything to change the spin of one, it automatically changes the other one instantly, regardless of the distance, because it's, it's not dealing with a cause and effect reality. It's, it's really an a causal type of reality. So there's mysteries behind non-locality that we haven't really figured out yet. They're still quite baffling, but the point that I'm making is Mother Nature is showing us through hard scientific research that the level of interconnectivity of the entire universe is such that there's instantaneous communication that is that is not dependent upon distance. Mm-hmm. So if if we can use quantum computations to figure out how to send messages non-locally, then we won't need waves that are disturbing the environment that are speeding up molecules and causing chemical changes, we will have a completely different level of connection communication and the speed would be instantaneous. Exactly. That's, that's the, what I understand of the technology is exactly that. And I, I can't wait to see if some players decide it's a business opportunity because in the end, that's what <laughs> that's what's going to make it happen. If someone thinks, uh, maybe I can replace all the cell phone towers and be the one with the patent <laughs> that's worth uh, $40 quadrillion to replace everything wireless on the planet, well, maybe a company is going to be excited for it. Yeah, well, you know, this sort of goes back to Tesla and Westinghouse because uh, the fear, well, one of the concerns... It was one, I think Westinghouse was also uh, making billions and billions of dollars off the copper to use to produce all the electrical wiring to wire up the whole planet for electricity back then. So when he when Tesla showed he could send wire at electricity wirelessly, immediately he saw that as a threat. Um, 
there was also, I've also seen interviews with other experts that said that there's another concern, and that was that if Tesla was able to do what he wanted to do with energy, we would have had access to mountains of energy that could have actually been very, very damaging because people didn't have the knowledge uh, to use that energy in safe, effective ways. So there's always a risk with new technologies like we're talking about that we don't really know how to handle power of that magnitude. Just like with the atom colliders, there's a lot of people that have theorized that the atom colliders are dangerous because they could open up a black hole. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I hope we don't. <laughs> I don't. We don't. Uh, we don't uh, develop a quantum technology <laughs> that that in fact uh, creates more problems. And that's that would be one of my concerns, to be honest. Even with co- quantum level com- uh, communications, is how how are we going to uh like if it's if it's a hype and people are like yeah well it's going to fix everything and then we realize it causes other problems right it's always kind of yeah always the same story so i hope we can study it properly this time well you know yeah. here here's sort of a, a sci-fi reality we're getting to the point now where the technologies we're playing with could disturb our extraterrestrial neighbors <laughs> so when oh you start God. dealing with when you start dealing with non-locality we could find out just who's getting irritated by our tricks <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> and so a couple of last points i wanted to make one i've mentioned this in previous podcasts but there is a research paper that i read and i'll try to make sure it is in the show notes but it was by entomologists showing that insect uh, populations have dropped 50, uh, 75% in the last 50 years. And they started noticing that, that uh, and, uh, it started off with one entomologist noticing, wow, there's a lot less insects in the environment than there should be. So that entomologist started talking to other entomologists and they then started correlating data worldwide and found that in the last 50 years, insect traffic has dropped 75%. What does that mean? It means the sex organs of our planets are disappearing. Our our pollinators are disappearing. So when we start looking at the theories on the bees and we look at what pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, and electromagnetic pollution has been shown to do to the insect population, we, we have a serious problem. The other issue that I wanted to highlight here that's very concerning to me When you look at all the money we're spending on satellites and space research and all these things, military technologies, all these extravagances, we're spending more every year on the United States military budget than it would take a hundred times over to restore the soil on this planet, clean the waters, clean the airways, and get this planet biologically healthy to support life. Yet, Years ago, I don't remember what year it was, there was a petition made by, I don't know, a hundred and something scientists from around the world that put together hard data that the environment was near collapse. And they said that for $6 billion, we could rehabilitate the environment. And they presented this to the United Nations. Guess what? Almost every country, including the United States, said in response to that. It's too expensive. (laughs) It's too expensive. We don't have the money. And then COVID comes around and the, the UK government alone is, is willing to, uh, their latest folly is 100 billion 
for, uh, I think it's one test per day per citizen or something that is the equivalent of half of their health budget per year and a hundred billion. (laughs) Like this, this, this is the kind of stupidity that drives me right loopy. Like I am, I don't have a bunch of fancy degrees. I just pay attention to what the evidence says. I listen to credible people. I follow the evidence and I use common sense logic coupled with healthy intuition to, ask, to, to try to draw a conclusion. And I've been successful enough to build an institute that's helped countless thousands and thousands of people around the world live healthier, better lives because of it. So I'm using the same logic that I've used for my entire career to help a lot of people, including myself, through a lot of challenging situations. So it's very hard for me when I've spent my whole life being successful using a holistic thinking model, looking at the data and asking the best questions I can come up with to the smartest people. If I don't apply that logic to these situations, then I am I am as deserving of the outcome as anybody else that's completely ignorant and doesn't realize what's happening. But how do you do that when you have knowledge and you have access to people with knowledge that are highly credible and you come to the realization we don't have a lot of time to play around here with the, the we're like little kids in a science shop that are about to create a bomb so big it's going to destroy not only the entire school but the entire planet and that's one of the reasons i hope and pray that there are intelligences outside of our own that are intervening or will intervene because if the universe is in the kind of harmony that I think it is, then us destroying the planet could have a ripple effect that could affect um, different levels of reality, different dimensions of reality, and could affect uh, intelligences within our own dimension that may be other types of life that we just don't recognize. And there's plenty of evidence for that that I won't get into because it would be a whole long discussion but just sort of to put the whole covid thing into perspective i said to the girls one day i said do you realize there's more people dying in car accidents in on any given day than this whole covid thing's ever going to take out so it was interesting because a couple of days later a friend of mine sent me an email and somebody had tabulated the statistics and they looked at things like death by car accidents cigarette smoking drug overdoses accidents, uh, just industrial accidents, heart disease, chronic disease. And the numbers were so far greater than COVID, even in its totality to this day, we've got people dying of things every day right in front of us and no one says a damn thing about it. It just shows you right, right there. There's no logic as far as worldwide causes of death, COVID, even amongst, uh, respiratory or transmissible diseases is a small player compared to malaria or even tuberculosis. So it it really begs into question why 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 are we spending all this money towards COVID? It's it's uh, really wasted. It's not it's not a hundred percent wasted, but most of it is wasted in reality compared to what could really make the population healthy, for example. So yes. Yeah. For, for me though, Nick, it doesn't beg to question 
it's a bright spotlight that says, wake up, boys and girls. You're being sold a story that might be a little bit true. Just enough, just enough true to blow up into a massive illusion, just like most religious documents are a little bit true, but there are more myths and they need to be read as allegories, not facts. That's why Joseph Campbell clearly said, if you read the Bible as a dictation rather than a connotation, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, when we see a lot of these loose connotations being presented as dictations, i.e., we have a serious problem on our hands, social distancing, masks, things that go against sound medical advice, minds being changed, masks, no masks. This many people are going to die. Oh, by the way, only a thimble full of them actually did die. We, we then have to say, okay, wait a minute. What's the bigger agenda going on here? And when we see loss of freedom of speech and constitutional rights, such as the right to your own body and what you put in it, the right to your own privacy to be in your house without being spied on and listened to, the right to your own data and being able to not have your own data used by artificial intelligence against you, our right to freedom of speech. I mean, when you look at what's happening, a lot of these things are big smoke screens that take your attention away from some of the bigger issues that are behind it. That's what really concerns me. That's, uh, well, amen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, I find it also, part of my frustration this year, of course, has been that uh, the, the entire COVID pandemic has taken the place of so many other important issues. And I, I oh, just... Oh, it's, it's taken our eyes off the ball. Off so many things, so many things. I, I, people I feel like I... I, I ironic so so many levels of ironies like environmentalists in masks that are uh following the rules and don't don't think about the fact that our oceans are now full of uh little uh medusas but it's no it's it's masks that are that are just offshore everywhere like there's so many masks in the ocean now it's I don't know. It's just it's just a level of craziness is 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 difficult to cope with. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to ask yourself ask yourself this question: How many billions of dollars have been made on masks alone due to the COVID pandemic? Oh, I cannot estimate. In in and how much of an ideal industry to be in <laughs> right at that moment? And I'll tell you a fact. Robert O. Strecker, MD, who was one of the first people to come out against the AIDS epidemic and tell the truth, for example, he said, did you know that there's over 130 different diagnoses that fall under the classification of AIDS? Yet people in the public think someone who has AIDS has one issue, but really there's 132 different diagnoses that are labeled as AIDS if they are any one of those diagnoses. He said the first year of the AIDS epidemic, because they kept telling people to use condoms to protect themselves from AIDS and to highlight how ridiculous that was, he said the average pore of a latex condom, I believe, is seven microns, but the AIDS virus is uh, something like four microns 
in diameter. He said the AIDS virus will walk through a condom like an airplane going through a hangar. And to prove his point, he took a sieve, cut the wire out of it. So it was just a ring of wire. And he took a gun that shoots pin pong balls. And he said, here's your condom and here's your sperm cells going right through uh, the, your, uh, your AIDS virus going right through the condom like it's not even there. So when you start looking at the reality of all this and the point that I was making is Robert Strecker showed that there was $6 billion of increase in condom sales in one year. So when you start looking into the corporate agendas and who stands to make unbelievable amounts of money off of this thing, you know, if you want to find the, 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 the evil in science, you follow the money. If you want to find the evil in a church, Manly P. Hall says behind every Christian church in every third world country, you will find the only Mercedes Benz in town. <laughs> he says Monday to Saturday, they're in there counting money, trying to figure out how to make more on Sunday. So when you start following the money, it's just human nature we lose our sense of morals. We lose our sense of ethics and we get drunk on money. And that's why money is often said to be the root of all evil. But when you start following the money in every field of science, that's the fastest way to get to the truth. And when you start following the money with this whole pandemic and the 5G stuff we're talking about, it only points to a handful of people in the world. Even if it was a hundred, it's still a tiny number of people. That's uh, that's completely accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the same players that are. I, I don't know. I and I don't know what. <laughs> anyway, that's a. We're gonna. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta run. But it's a whole conversation. Like, <laughs> what do they think? Uh, sometimes I think about these things. Oh, like the top hundred people in the world. Like what? What really do they want out of life? Like certain people seem to have so many agendas that go against humanity. And why would they think these things? I just don't. It, it's so beyond me, I guess. Oh, you know, one of the, I know you got to go. I'll just throw this last bone in there. One of the things that drives me nuts about people like Elon Musk and all these space adventurists is they're talking about going to Saturn and going to the moon and And, 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 oh, if there's anything that happens on earth, we will, we will go somewhere else. I'm like, yeah, okay, good. So you just spent a trillion dollars. So 50 of you can escape and leave the rest <laughs> of us here with the problems that you created. Exactly. Why not just spend the money to get the earth healthy and do better science? And as we said, come up with safe technologies. But the problem is that we have a lot of very intelligent people on this planet with a lot of money that actually only have the spiritual development of about a prepubescent teenager mm -hmm. with the power to destroy a planet. So there's a reason we give kids cap guns, not loaded machine guns. But when you start giving children as scientists in adult bodies that don't have the maturity level, someone like Donald Trump, the power of nuclear weapons, you're playing a very, very dangerous game. And the rest of us are involved, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And what, what we what we can do about it is to do our best to make our 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 voice heard like with this satellite and here we are yeah here we are full circle so <laughs> great great to visit with you thank you for all your sharing all your citing of research papers all your hard work i'm glad you get a little scared now and then because fear can be a great motivator to get things done and at this time i think we should all be 
a little afraid, not of COVID, but of the illusion and the illusion makers behind it and all the things that we've talked about. And it's time for all of us to wake up, clean up, grow up, and show up, as Ken Wilber would say. And I couldn't agree more. We cannot be children. We cannot let big daddy in the sky take care of us because that doesn't work. We can't even trust the scientists and unfortunately the doctors. We've got to be big enough and strong enough to talk to each other, work together as a world community because the situations we have are not ethnocentric or race specific. They affect every living creature on the planet. And this is a time when we all have to put our heads together and develop true spirituality, which is connecting to a greater whole and realizing that we have the genius on this planet to heal all this stuff because the same level of intelligence that goes into creating the problems, if used toward the solution, can free us just as effectively. And I believe it's going to be young geniuses out there who are out of the box that come up with the technologies just like uh, people that have given us the technologies of the past. We've got Einstein was a young man. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs was a young man who figured out how to hack phones and do all sorts of stuff, but gave us modern technology. People like Elon Musk, we have a lot of intelligence out there. We just got to get these people working together to figure out how can we take care of ourselves and create advanced technologies that lets us to the move next move to the next level of our evolution but without actually more of a detriment than the technology offers. So Nick, any final comments or thoughts or websites or anything you want to share? Sure. Well, just an invitation. Uh, people who want to minimize electropollution at home, I think it's uh, so important and really uh, underestimated how much that makes a different a difference in your life and also an impact on that whole 5G thing. Uh, yes, be an activist and uh, get involved with organizations such as uh, 5G Crisis and just 5GCrisis.com and a few a few others that uh, I've talked about in this conversation. But also do, do it at home and get your family on board. And this is really what I've been trying to do with Brian Hoyer, my colleague, who's an EMF mitigation specialist. And it's uh, the, uh, the course is called Electropollution Fix. And uh, we've uh, launched it this summer. We're launching again. Uh, and if, I think this is coming up right before we launch it again on October 26th. So uh, I, I can treat a redirect link, I think, uh, Paul, if you, if you want, uh, because uh, you're going to be uh, part of those who support it. Uh, and I've talked with Penny and whatnot. So it's uh, theemfguy.com slash check, C-H-E-K. And you're going to get on the waiting list for the next class. And it's a, it's a live class that we're giving in front of uh, people via Zoom. And uh, we recommend an Ethernet connection if you connect with us. And uh, it's uh, six weeks, helps us, uh, you tackle all the sources of electropollution in your home. And uh, that's my uh, little infomercial for people who want to really make a difference and uh, actually do something after that long. And yeah, it, uh, I would say uh, thought-provoking conversation. <laughs> Which, yeah, and that leaves... My final comment for everybody, now is the time to be open-minded. Dogma is dangerous. Bias is dangerous. Look at all the evidence on both sides. Yes, look at the credibility of the people saying it. 
but look at the evidence and ask yourself, if this was my planet and I looked at all this evidence and I wanted my family to be healthy and I wanted nature to be healthy so I could be healthy and my family could be healthy, and we wanted to create a sustainable environment that allows us to have the technology we need to really evolve, but yet protect life, what decisions would I need to make now to allow that to happen? Because if you wait until it's too late, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. All right. Lots of love, everybody. Nick, thank you very much for your time and all your efforts and, and uh, for sharing your class. I hope uh, everybody takes it. Don't forget to check into Dr. Ibrahim Kareem's podcast with me on uh, biogeometry because there's some very, very effective, viable and cost-effective solutions available to you there. And thank you for anything you purchase from the sponsors of Living 4D with Paul Check. They all share my values and any purchase you uh, make supports the podcast and supports the planet because they're all using highly sustainable practices to produce the products that we offer here on the podcast. So lots of love. Can't wait to share more with you next time. Got some great podcasts coming up for you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Nick Pino. You can find more about Nick at theemfguy.com and about his bestseller, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs at nontinfoilemf.com. Connect with him on Facebook at Nick Pino Official or Instagram at Nick Pino. That's spelled N-I-C-K-P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Be one of the first people to get access to Nick's brand new course, The Electro Pollution Fix. Visit theemfguy.com forward slash check to sign up to get notified when the course is released and get discounted early access. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. And remember, you can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. Music